now, introducing a man whose initials are GMC, so you can call him Trucker or something that rhymes with it. He's going to get you, sucker, so if you're Hulk Hogan, look out. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio, which would almost certainly make me Glenn Clark, and that would make him Paul Valley. And if that's the case, then I guess we party now. I'm not sure how it works. Let's see, Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. Going to need a minute in order to get the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios posted. I apologize. I had something thrown on me as I got in here this morning, but um, we will get them. I promise you. Brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Those will get up here shortly. Lots to do on the program today. In a little bit, we're going to head down to Bowie, make our weekly trip down there to chat with the Bay Sox. This week, we are going to chat with Gunnar Henderson. By the way, what did the Bay Sox score, like a 1,000 runs last night? Holy crap. They had two eight-run innings. That was a wild game for the Bay Sox last night, an offensive explosion last evening. We'll talk to Gunnar Henderson a little bit later on this morning. Also this morning, we're going to introduce you to Thomas Booker. I'm excited about this. Thomas Booker who is a Stanford defensive lineman, probably a day two pick in the NFL draft. He's a Gilman alum. He's a Baltimore kid. He is tr- like through and through from Ellicott City, very much one of us. He was part of the Chinese Honor Society when he was in high school. He's incredibly smart. We're going to chat with Thomas Booker. Head of next week's NFL draft. Uh, uh, I'm not as excited. Drew Forrester will check in with us later on this morning, but it's part of the ceremony of what we do around here. So uh, all that coming up on a Wednesday edition of GCR. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Orioles played a game last night out in Oakland. It didn't go their way. They lost 2-1. to one. A lot of weird, weird things. Does any of it matter? You know how I feel about this. That's something else. That's something else entirely. Paul Valley thinks everything matters when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, that's not, why not, not this. Eh, that's why we allow him to try to convince us that something matters for 60 seconds every day. Here is our one-minute man, Paul Valley. All right. It, it's hard to even get me enthused about anything that happened last night. Chris Ellis went four and a third innings, um, but he couldn't he couldn't make it through the fifth inning, gave up a couple of base hits. Bellman comes in and gets a double play, which was nice. But I guess if you're taking anything from it, Trey Mancini had a couple of hits. His bat seems to be heating up, which is nice because somebody's bat needs to get hot in this lineup. The Orioles are averaging just about two runs per game, which is dead last in baseball. Um, so I guess you can get excited about the bullpen is continuing to pitch well, except for Bauman's kind of blow up there in the six, in the sixth inning, and Chris Ellis is pitching well. So I think pitching's going well; they're just not getting deep into games, which we expected, but it's a little concerning moving forward because you really don't know that Spencer Watkins and Chris Ellis can get further into the games than they already have to this point. So. I guess get excited about the starting pitching and the pitching as a whole and Trey Mancini's bat heating up and then everybody everything else is basically what it is. You didn't even boy, I I'm sorry for Mrs. Valley. You didn't even make it one minute. Yeah. Oh boy. La- last night was not a good game well, to get somebody to care okay. about. Hang on a second though. 
this this don't if you, if you're not gonna care, then we're in real trouble. We can't do this. I care, but the things I care about are. We've talked about this before, where the things that I would get upset about, you don't want me telling you things that I'm upset about. You want me telling no, things no. that are going to get you to care. If it matters, and one way or the other, it's not about being excited. It's that if it matters, try to convince me that it matters one way or the other. If, if right. there's reason to be angry about it, there's reason to be angry about it. I'm I'm probably going to push back. I don't think there's very many reasons to be angry about it, but it doesn't have to be in a positive way. The like, lack of ability to hit with runners in scoring well, position. Well, yes, it ain't good. The um, uh, lack of ability to put runs on the board as in general. Now, but again, that's where I say this is kind of what I expected. I expected the offense to be this inept. No, I did not expect it to be this inept. Now, as I said, and I, I did a hit with, the, with the Jerry and Rita last night on the fan, and I said, look, man, you know, this is a, a lineup where a lot of guys are home run hitters, and, and we kind of have to wait that out in order to, to, to pass any sort of full judgment. It's still awfully early to be making definitive statements about anybody in this lineup. But I think what you worry about is that there has been kind of a correction, particularly for, say, Cedric Mullins, mm-hmm. that you worry that... Cedric Mullins isn't really the player that he was a year ago, which is fine because it's very difficult. If you're an annual 30-30 guy, you're one of the greatest players in baseball history. Cedric Mullins isn't likely to be that guy. But what is he? And that's the part that we got to figure out. And, and by the way, maybe he still is. Maybe that'll come. Weather gets warm. He'll go right back, revert right back to being that guy. But that's an important question as the season goes on. Did Cedric Mullins, by virtue of an amazing season, solidify himself as being a centerpiece of this franchise moving forward, or did he have one amazing season and we don't really know? These are the types of things that do matter in the big picture for the Baltimore Orioles. Chris Ellis obviously does not. He's a 29-year-old who is getting another opportunity because you don't have anybody else. Whatever he does is irrelevant. It can't help you long-term in a rebuild. You can't get anything for him in a trade. There's nothing that Chris Ellis could do that would be meaningful for the Baltimore Orioles in any way. I mean, Does he I, still have rookie status? I don't know. I couldn't tell. I mean, he, he's made a lot of – I want to say the last couple of seasons he's made like 10 starts. I'd be very surprised if he still has rookie status. Um, You know, that being said – the Orioles having one of the top five ERAs as a staff in all of baseball. If you wanted to try to tell me that that, like this is where statistics are good. You want to tell me that that matters, that on the whole, that's something we need to talk about. We need to have a conversation about whether or not we, we can reconsider opinions about what this team has as far as pitching is concerned, or at least monitor it to perhaps reconsider it later down the road, you know, I'll listen. I'll listen to that. Again, we got a long way to go. We're not anywhere close. Like, we got a long way to go to figure out if that's the case. But it's at least worth watching. It's at least worth filing away and saying, hey, this exists right now. Let's see where it goes from here. Um, On the whole, yes, a dreadful game. What was the attendance last night in Oakland? Like, like 3895. I've seen like some small attendance figures. I've never seen one that I, the I, I think that's got to be I mean I I don't remember seeing a Tampa game where it was listed with less than 5000. I'm not trying to be 
over dramatic about it. And I certainly can understand why the folks out that way are saying, yeah, why would we be spending our money on this? I don't know if you noticed they got rid of all of the good players. Um, I'm not faulting them. They have a, a, an abysmal place to watch a baseball game. There is nothing there. They don't know if the team's going to be taken away from them at some point because nothing's getting done. But I do think that something like seeing something like that to me would have to force the issue of the conversation about the future of the Oakland Athletics. And I don't know what the timeline is, like how long Major League Baseball will give them to try to get something figured out out there. But especially as you see more and more um, like Nashville pushing, I want to say Nashville's got Dave Stewart involved now and trying to create a minority. Like there are places where they badly want baseball. And I'm, I'm not in favor of ripping a franchise out of a city. I, I hate that. I think that's gross. But if, if it's just not going to happen, if they're just not going to get the stadium deal done, what are you waiting for? Yeah, I mean, the owner is shedding payroll, and they've been needing a new stadium for, what, 20, 25 years? Well, yeah, for an eternity, but it's, it's, a, it's still a weird spot. None of that is the fault of the average athletics fan. Right. And the no, athletics fans so. have proven that if you give them some, This is what I say all the time about in, in Baltimore, the crowds don't look good. And then when the Orioles are good, the crowds are great. If you give them something that's worth it in Oakland, they've proven. There have been electric atmospheres at that dreadful stadium for watching games. I, I'm not the type that ever wants to overreact to um, the size of a crowd because it, it ain't my money, right? Like, I, I get it. It ain't a good product. It's a terrible place to watch a bad product. I completely understand why athletics fans would choose to stay away. But there's a bigger problem that exists in Oakland, which is are you doing this or not? Because if you're not ever going to solve this ballpark thing, there's nothing there. Like, there is nothing there to suggest that that franchise should continue to exist. And I feel terrible for the people out there, but it's got to get solved at some point. I mean, it's crazy. We've been talking about this for way too long with the stadium being the thing that hangs over them. It's it's nuts. But, you know, they've taken the first two games from the Orioles in the series. <laughs> they're 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 awful. Nobody wants to watch them. They've been wrecked by COVID and they've won the first two games against the Orioles. So keep that in mind as we have this conversation. Okay. You don't need to stay up till one AM to watch tonight's game though. Yeah, they moved it up to six o'clock, right? Yeah. Because of uh, the weather that's expected to come through the Bay Area. So there's there's that. Um, I, of course, spent my time watching the NBA playoffs last night. No, I don't want to kill myself at all. So, <laughs> um, I don't want to take anything away from the Pelicans. I know a lot of people talking last night about what a neat story. Brandon Ingram just went nuts in the second half of that game. And that's, it's not, it's not wrong to give credit to the Pelicans and to say, wow, this is really neat, a team that was so bad that's managed to put some things together, get in through the play-in tournament, and now, look, they've stunned uh, the Suns in game two, and they've now stolen away home court advantage. But, you know, we're smarter than that. And a lot of people that are saying it are the same people like the broadcasters were making that story. The story in last night's game was Devin Booker. Devin Booker's the story. He was on pace for about 70 points and then didn't play in the second half. And if Devin Booker is hurt significantly, then the Phoenix Suns are in massive trouble. 
I mean, there's no way of getting around that. It would up upend the entirety of the NBA playoffs. If he can come back and play in a game or two, there's nothing that I saw that would suggest, even as hot as the Pelicans were shooting in the second half and as nuts as they were playing, there's nothing that suggests that they could actually compete with this, if they, um, a full-fledged Suns roster and win more than a game or two. Just knocked my sunglasses off the table. I don't even know what happened there. He's fired up. Yeah, I'm not really. Um, and I don't, I don't... Sometimes we don't want facts to get in the way of a neat narrative, and like we wanted last night, the eight seed just beat the one seed. That's that's it's the closest thing you can get to an upset in the NBA playoffs. You can't get a St. Peter's making a run to the Elite Eight in the NBA playoffs because it doesn't work like that. These are professional basketball players. There's only so many teams. But when even an eight seed wins a game, it's it's a great story, but it's only a story because Devin Booker got hurt and because believe it or not like everybody else you're not the same team when you don't have your best player but Glenn the Mavericks just lost Luka Doncic and won a game anyway you're right you're right it requires having somebody else that you don't expect to completely go off and do something otherworldly in order to be able to do it um we will have to find out the Devin Booker the injury is going to be the singular storyline until we get definition on it of the entirety of the NBA playoffs. Because if Devin Booker is going to miss significant time, it's a hamstring, so I don't know. If he's going to miss significant time, the Suns can't overcome that. You can say, hey, they overcame losing Chris Paul last year for a while in the playoffs. It's not the same. Devin Booker is the guy. They can't overcome that. And they could even lose the Pelicans in a seven-game series without Devin Booker. I'd still be surprised if they did. It took the Pelicans playing like perfect basketball in order to beat them last night, even without Devin Booker. Um, I'd still be surprised if they lost the series, but they'd be in a world of trouble against just about anybody else without Devin Booker. They need to get Devin Booker back fairly quickly. And if they don't, then it rips this thing into almost a complete upheaval. I mean, like that makes the Warriors the overwhelming favorites almost to the point where it would be like even money for the Warriors. There's just not I mean, the Grizzlies are still good and the Grizzlies certainly bounced back quite well last night. But you're hard you're hard pressed to sell me on the idea that the Grizzlies could compete with the Warriors with a healthy, complete Warriors team for seven games. So it's a major storyline. Like, this is what's hanging over the NBA at this moment is exactly what the status of Devin Booker will be. Um, if they get him back and he's fine, then then the Suns uh, go back to being the favorites to win the NBA title. It's just a weird thing where they happen to lose a game in the first round because they didn't, they didn't have their guy for the second half of that game and their opponent played brilliantly. It's weird tonight that all three games are in the Eastern Conference. I don't get that. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. What are we doing? Like, this is the NBA playoffs. Why can't we spread things out a little bit more? All three of the playoff games that are on the night are Eastern Conference games, which is just very strange. And uh, I do not I, – I feel even worse about my thought of cashing my uh, my Hawks uh, series spread bet where I had them covering <sighs> – I had them covering two and a half. And they looked better last night against the Heat, but they didn't look good. They They still look like a mess. So that's what's going on in the NBA playoffs. 
I, I did have a couple people ask me, like, why I didn't talk about Miles Boykin yesterday. What would you want me to say? What is there to say about Miles Boykin? I, I don't. I've had very pleasant interactions with Miles Boykin. I, I think he's a, a very good guy. He was trying to do a lot of things during the pandemic to help raise some money. I like Miles Boykin, but as a football player, he was a blocker. And the Ravens like if you want if 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 your take on Miles Boykin is that you're afraid in three years that some team is gonna get him to do the Darren Waller thing and he's gonna figure it out as a tight end down the road, okay. I'd bet against it, but is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. I, I wouldn't have bet that Darren Waller would have become this, but he did. It, I guess it could happen. I guess it could happen again. I don't know if Miles Boykin would have ever gone along with that. I don't know if the Ravens even considered it. I don't know if they would look at you and say, yeah, he doesn't even have that type of skill set. That's, that's insane. Miles Boykin didn't work here, and it's a bummer because... He was big. He could block. He was exactly what it was that you were looking for in a Ravens wide receiver in a run-first offense as a prospect was concerned. It just didn't translate, and some injury issues threw in that. What what were the Ravens supposed to do? People are like, it's weird that you would do this now, just outright release him now. But they tried to trade him. Nobody wanted him. Like, they attempted to trade Miles Boykin, and everybody said, you want us to give something up for this guy? No. Not a chance. So to say, could they have just hold, held on to him for the sake of holding on to him in case they have five wide receivers get hurt? Yeah, but I think what they're telling you is they don't feel any more strongly about Miles Boykin than they would about anyone they could pick up off the street tomorrow. And I'm not trying to trash Miles Boykin because, again, I thought he was a, a good dude. But there's nothing to say. I'm not, I don't care at all that Miles Boykin was picked up by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I couldn't care less. I mean, wh- why would anyone care? It's not even interesting to me. I see that. Well, this is interesting. No, it's not. Player Teams pick up 65th roster players all the time. And I bet they're going to try to pump some information out of them. Yeah, they might. They absolutely might. No doubt. Maybe they'll try to pump some information out of them. At the end of the day, they still have Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback. How do you think that's going to work? They need a wide receiver that can block so they can run the ball more. I mean, I, whatever. I mean, it's a <laughs> right. it's a giant whatever. And I, and I hate because it just comes off so negative towards a, a person. But come on, man. Like, come on. We Are we really going to spend time talking about Miles Boykin? It didn't work. It's a shame. It's certainly wasted draft capital. I mean, there's no getting around that. There's no defending it. There's no going back and saying it was a wasted draft pick early in a draft. And that's that's a bummer. And that's the type of thing that you can't have happen as you try to continue to build a team um, moving towards this era where you're likely to have to pay your quarterback a boatload of money. You can't have more wasted early round picks. you got to be hitting on those. But... What do you do now? Like it's just it's just what it is. All right, it's time for us to make our weekly trip down to Bowie, where they're scoring like a billion runs these days. They just had two different eight-run innings last night. 
Joining us now, one of the top infield prospects in the Orioles system. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Gunnar Henderson, who's with us now here on GCR. Gunnar, it's Glenn and Paul back in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you again, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Uh, yes, sir. Happy to be here. It's great to chat with you, dude. What what was in the water last night? What the hell was going on down there? Well, first off, it was pretty cold, but uh, luckily we got the bats warmed up last night, so uh made it a little bit more bearable. But it's been pretty chilly the past few games, so... Uh, think everybody's ready for it to warm up here yeah get the ball carrying out a little bit for sure i can understand that man do you like when when you're having a night like that the, the conversation among hey save some for another night does does anybody say that like when you guys are putting up a 20 spot like you're does anybody walk around like hey man you know save a couple for tomorrow night <laughs> no sir uh baseball's a weird sport so you can have streaks where you go like that and you have streaks where you can't where you feel like you've never swung a bat before, so you just you get you take it whenever you uh, whenever you're feeling it. So uh, now, I feel like that's the the right way to go about it. Now it was a it was it was a weird night for you because you were one of only two guys that didn't get a hit, but you had three walks. So yeah. so does anybody like on a night where everybody's getting hits? So they rag on you about the fact that you didn't get one, or do they know? Hey, man, you know you did. You were on base, literally. If you keep this on base percentage up, it's going to be the greatest performance in baseball history. Like, what's the what's the atmosphere when you have a weird night like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny being able to watch the guys, especially when they put the position player in. You just see we think we railed off two or three homers in a row, and it was it's you just got to keep the mood light because I mean, like I said, baseball's the weirdest sport. You're going to have days like that where everybody's hitting, and you're going to have days where you get hits, and everybody's like, how in the world are you hitting this guy? So, I, I, I mean, that's, that's just baseball. So, I, I hope I what mean, you're not saying is that you're worried that you guys are going to put up, like, a, you know, a, you're going to get no uh, hit tonight. I hope that's no, not what no, you're saying. No, I'm just, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Baseball is just... It's the most humbling sport out there. No question. No question about it. Hey, Gunner, um, you know, take me through. Let's get caught up with you. How was your off season? How are you feeling coming into this year? As you've continued to progress um, in general, where do you feel about where you are now a couple years into this? Yeah, I mean, I feel uh, my, the work I put in this off season is uh, really paying off. I was uh, working a lot on just flattening out the swing a little bit, and I felt like it's uh, it's helped out. And now just having to tinker around because starting to get pitched backwards in a sense, so a lot more off speed. So especially being my age at this this high level, just really learning each and every day. And uh, I feel like I'm putting really good swings on the ball, hitting it really hard right now, just uh, right at people. So I know it's going to come around. So. Uh, like I said, just learning each and every day, and uh, I feel like this stuff that I'm picking up here at Double A is really going to help me whenever, uh, hopefully, Triple A and uh, hopefully the majors soon. Is it at all difficult just because it's the beginning of the season? Like, do you do you find yourself pressing at all when you're dealing with bad luck? Just because you have to look at the totality of of what your numbers are. Are you able to completely compartmentalize that and be like, look, man, I, I know I'm doing the right things. I'm just not quite getting the results just yet. Yeah, no, like I said, I mean, I'm still 20 at double it, so there's really no, no right, reason right. to be pressing at all because I, I can just go up there and uh, not have any pressure at all. I'll just go up there and let my instincts that, and all the playing that I've done over the past however many years of baseball, I'll just let them take over and uh, – 
the numbers ultimately uh, level out at the end of the year. So. Gunnar Henderson is with us. After the Bowie Bay Sox put up a huge number last night. The Bay Sox are home all week. We're going to tell you more about what's coming up for them during the course of the week. Gunner, I think the other, you know, the, the other conversation you and I have had a couple times is is position wise. I know you've played both third and short this year. How can you take me through working at both positions, right? Like, and again, as you mentioned, you're still very young. It, is it difficult trying to learn every aspect of both positions and play both well at the very same time? Honestly, I mean, it really because we practiced it. Uh, during spring training and stuff, so it wasn't really much. And last year helped me as well to get the game reps. So going into this year, I knew how to approach each position, and I felt like so far this year, I mean, I've done a really good job at both positions. So, and um, speaking, like we both really like all the infielders here at Bowie. I mean, we uh, we embrace it, and I mean, we just take it head on and. Uh, Whichever gets us to the big leagues faster, I mean, we'll do it. You, in you, you just, you, you I, almost maybe even accidentally, you just started to say both of us, and and I was guessing you were kind of thinking about Jordan, correct? Well, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not <laughs> me, Joey, and uh, Westberg. Like, would they have us all just switching around? Sure, so, sure. Yeah, well, we all just kind of embrace it and know that that's what it costs for because we're all shortstop, so we can't all play it at the same time. So. Does it create, like, tell me about that, that dynamic, right? Like, is there, you know, the shortstop position is sort of the one that everybody wants, right? Like, that's the, that's the big money ticket. Do, does it create something that drives the three of you? What's your relationship like as you're all kind of the same position doing the same thing? What's that dynamic been like with you yeah. and Jordan Westbrook and Joey Ortiz? Yeah, I mean, we all want to see each other do the best we possibly can because all in all, we all want to win a World Series with the Orioles. So we all uh, help each other, and it's like a friendly competition. So whichever way it works out, the only person that knows that is uh, the man above. So, um, I mean, we can. the only thing we can do is control what we can control and play hard each and every night. So whatever works out will uh, ultimately work out. Gunnar, what are the biggest differences? What are, what are the, like, you have to remind yourself – when when you go out there to play short one night versus going out there to play third, is, is it muscle memory? Do you don't have to talk about it at all? Are there things that you're like, hey, gotta remember, I don't I don't move this way when a ball gets hit a certain. Like, do you have to go through some of that playing a different position? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's just muscle memory because definitely the practice that you put in. I mean, if you take game like reps at both positions in practice, then it really just you go out there and just be yourself during the game. He is Gunnar Henderson from the Bowie Bay Sox. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Gunnar, um, you know, the, we're, we, we talk about this organization and and all of you guys. Is there a camaraderie? You talk about wanting to be a part of a World Series winner in Baltimore. Do you guys have those conversations openly about the opportunities that exist within this system and and growing together? Are those things that you discuss sort of openly? I think it's all mutually known. I mean, everybody knows that uh, we have a really good shot at it, and everybody just does their own work. I mean, we don't sit there and talk about it because nothing's set in stone. Because I mean, you can talk about it all you want, but until you put the work in and actually accomplish it, that's when it matters. So we all have that mindset to where nothing is nothing is set. So we, like I said, go into each day with. It, uh, on our mindset of 
get better each and every day and just take care of one day at a time. So I feel like if we keep doing that, then we'll have a really good shot. You um, moved into last year, you moved into the top 100 prospects on MLB Pipeline, and more and more. I'll have conversations. As you, as you can imagine, Gunnar, we talk a lot about the future of what's coming here in Baltimore. And I'll talk to more and more guys that, that bring up your name and say you're a big part of the story here. How do you handle that type of attention? As you mentioned, you're still really young. How do you handle that type of attention, that type of acknowledgement that comes throughout this sport? Um, you know, How do you make sure that that doesn't get you carried away and maybe some of the pressure that comes with that type of attention? Yeah, I mean, just growing up, my parents really instilled the mindset of uh, never forget where you came from and always staying humble. So, like you, like you said, I mean, I never, never thought about it. I always just go out there, and um, I'm my own best uh, teacher right now because I I compete against myself, and then of course with uh, Jordan and Joey, we all just have the same mindset: just go to work each and every day. But I feel like I really just go in and um, get the work in and whatever works out and like you said it it all doesn't matter until you actually prove it so i have that in the back of my mind just going each and every day and uh trying to get one percent better does that competition extend beyond baseball by the way like the three i'm like imagining like a group of three brothers right that like you know when when there's you always maybe you're racing to get to something like does that competition at all go beyond baseball do you find yourself like trying to play basketball against each other or Trying to beat each other on the golf course or anything like that? Uh, well, we have taken it to the golf course a few times. Okay. That's where uh, Jordan and I usually, that's where uh, we'll spend time together. But uh, Joey's not much of a golfer, so. <laughs> so, all right. So, what? It, how does that look like? Is it? Is it? Is it back and forth? Is one of you been, like, kind of regularly dominating the other one on the golf course? Uh, well, Jordan just picked up golf during uh, this past off season, so And I've played it for a few years, so. He's definitely improving a lot, but uh, I feel like I got him right now. So years to come, we'll see. But uh, I feel like right now I've got him. All right, all right. We'll we'll that. I mean, it it is one of those things where like you you root for him. Do you find yourself saying like I'm rooting for you to get better? Or you like encourage him on a shot, but like selfishly you say to yourself, Oh man, he might really get better. I might be in trouble here in a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean. He, and everything he does, he just progresses and gets better each and every time. So I know um, he'll get better, and uh, he'll he'll continue to get better. So I got to keep getting better as well. So, <laughs> hey man, it's the way it goes. All right, uh, important question: Tomorrow is Wolf Wednesday with the Bowie Bay Sox, where everybody can bring their dog out to the ballpark, which is one of my favorite promotions in baseball. Gunner, are you a dog guy? Like, did you have one growing up? I imagine it's probably difficult at this point in your life to have a dog. But does like your family still have a dog? Oh yes, sir. We have we have two dogs. Okay, tell me about tell me about your dogs. Uh, well, we have a family dog which I kind of claim as mine, but it's a German short hair named Root. And then um, my little brother Cade, he has a tree feist to say squirrel dog named chica i don't even know what that what is that <laughs> it's a it's a squirrel dog so uh she has uh mainly just hunt squirrels 
Oh, uh, got it, got it. That's what you yeah, meant by. Yeah. I thought you meant like it looked like a squirrel. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell kind of dog? That, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of dog looks like a squirrel? I've never heard of it. All right, that makes way more sense. Yeah, there. no, you're not the first person to think that. By the <laughs> way, the, the German short hair thing. We found out yesterday that, uh, that Grayson's got a, a German short hair. And by the way, if I if I made you guess, do you happen to know what Grayson's dog's name is? Uh, I'm pretty sure I've heard it. Nothing. But 90% sure is Ace. Yes, it is, which is my favorite thing. Now, he claims it's because of Ace Ventura, but do you believe him? I, I think it's got to be more like that man knows that he's an Ace, and so his dog has to be named Ace. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's what he told me. Was He named it off Ace Ventura. But I don't know. I, I think that's just a good story to tell people so you don't come off as cocky. Like I think we all yeah. know what the real story is. I think we all know. And I love it, by the way. I was I was throwing air high fives. I'm like, the man named his dog Ace. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's so perfect. All right. Um, as I mentioned, Wolf Wednesday coming up tomorrow night with the Bowie Bay. Or tonight. Sorry, I can't keep saying it. Tomorrow night. It's tonight with the Bowie Bay Sox because today is Wednesday. Also this week, uh, mystery bobblehead giveaway on Friday night. Fireworks on Saturday night as well as Wizards and Wands night and a halfway to Halloween celebration. Uh, get more information and get your tickets by going to BaySox.com. And if Wolf Wednesday wasn't enough, Sunday is also Bark in the Park Day. So two opportunities for you to bring your pups out to baseball games this week. And Bark in the Park Day also includes a lot of uh, activities and vendors related to your dog. So it's going to be a fun celebration for you to bring the pups out. Gunner, social media for you, Twitter, Instagram. Where is it that Orioles fans have been giving you a follow? Uh, on both. I have Instagram and Twitter, so. I, was, um, I just want to make sure I, I want to make sure I have the handles right for him. For, for Twitter, it's at G underscore Henderson2, correct? Yes, sir. That's how you give him a follow. And if you want to give him a follow on Instagram, I'll make sure I have this right as well. It's at, is it at G? Oh, man, I don't even remember which one of these is you. Gunner, I apologize. <laughs> Uh, at G underscore Henderson 002, correct? Yes, sir. Very That's good. It. Give him a follow there. Hey, Gunnar Henderson, man, great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Continued success to you. May you guys score 20 runs every night the rest of the <laughs> season until until you're all the way up here at the big league level, all right? That would be great. Love it, man. Thank you, Gunnar. Yes, sir. Thank you. Gunnar Henderson, uh, Orioles shortstop infield prospect, if you want to say, obviously, as we talk about he is um, kind of competing with Jordan Westberg and with Joey Ortiz at the same level at the same time as they're trying to get all of them time at short to figure out if one of them can establish themselves as sort of the shortstop prospect of the future. And, you know, we'll have to continue to monitor that. Nobody has separated themselves just yet in that battle and that might continue all the way to the big league level uh that ongoing competition for what it's worth the orioles don't really have like anybody blocking them no not only well i mean look who knows if mateo can continue to, to become a guy but it's not just that they don't have anybody blocking him they also don't really have like a second baseman of the future right in this system they don't really have an identified third baseman either so Kobe Mayo. Uh, okay. If we're he pretty can, high on him around baseball. I guess the question, because I think they're higher on his bat mm -hmm. than they are on him as a defender. So I think there's a question as to whether or not Kobe Mayo will continue to be 
a third baseman. Could the, could the, he absolutely? I don't know that it's considered a sure thing that Kobe Mayo. I think people are. I just think the general consensus. They're more confident that he's a major league hitter mm-hmm. than they are that he's a major league third baseman. Yeah, he's got a um on a twenty to eight on the twenty eighty scale. Yeah. He's got a seventy grade arm. So I imagine that he could go play first base. But I imagine you want to have some place where he can utilize that. the arm. Makes I would also see. If, I don't know if at some point. It, look, it, I have not watched Kobe Mayo personally at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So it might very well be that Kobe Mayo has been looking outstanding with the glove. That's what Eric Garfield said. He, said. he said he looked much better at third base this spring. That that would make a huge difference in him projecting to be the third baseman because you right. can always take a strong arm and use that in the corner in a corner outfield spot. You right. can always make someone with a strong arm, particularly a right fielder. Right. Um, you have to be able to defend the position. Like that's the the bigger issue. So, but even so. That's not between these guys and the major league level, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's lower than these guys in the major league level. So oddly, there could be room for all of them to figure out a way to be a part of this thing. Right. They all are thought of to be at least capable defenders. They're all thought of to be guys that that could play the position. None of these guys are thought of to be Ryan Mountcastle. Um, none of them are thought to have Ryan Mountcastle's or Kobe, even Kobe Mayo's bat either. Gunnar Henderson, probably the one that everybody was highest on as far as the bat was concerned mm-hmm. of this group. Um, you know, that's got to continue. He was, he was, you know, ripping the cover off the ball at Delmarva. Did not produce quite the same way at Aberdeen and is off to a bit of a slow start. Not not awful. He's about 260. Yeah, he's off, but it's a bit of a slow yeah. start. Um, Jordan Westberg's bat has played at every level. I've been really excited to what's see. He, what's he hitting right now? He's hitting about two ninety. Yeah, his bats played at just and he he uh, he went deep last night. He's, he's hit at every level. The weird part being again that Jordan Westberg was thought of as like an okay bat, but more of a surefire guy that could play the position when he came. I into think the they system. probably believed enough in this bat. They took him as a as a supplemental first round pick. Again, not to, when I say that, I'm not saying that like they don't think. I think they right. believe that his bat could get there. Right. But not thought of as a high level type of bat. Yeah, he's he, he's not. They don't think of his bat the same way they think of like a Colton Kalser's. Right, bat. something along but those. But they, they do think he could be a twenty homer guy in the major leagues, which and, is nice. And if if he can play the position and do that, he's going to be in the major leagues for yeah. for a while. If you can do that, but you know, we're still a ways away from that. Yeah. All right. Uh, today's show uh, is also brought to you by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour. If you missed it on Monday, Stan had a couple of shows for you. He caught up with. Former Orioles pitcher, he and Ross Grimsley caught up with former Orioles pitcher Steve Johnson. Then he had a conversation with Maryland Stadium Authority Chairman Tom Kelso about HB 896 and what it means for the downtown stadiums. You can find that right now by going to facebook.com slash pressboxsports, clicking on the videos tab, or go to pressboxonline.com slash video. Um, I just sent you a reworked first break. Did you get that? I did. All right, good. I, I have to be honest with you guys. I had something thrown on me this morning. We're running a little bit behind. I got to get Would You Rather Wednesday posted. I'm taking things one at a time at the moment. I apologize for that. I'm excited to chat with Thomas Booker. That's coming up here in just a bit. Baltimore native, perhaps a future Baltimore Raven. Um, we'll talk more to, about that with him when he joins us. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. 
sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. PressBox is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, don't forget the NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard and I, are going to be back at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel coming up next Thursday night for the first round of the NFL Draft. We want you to come join us. It is the best live betting event of the year. You can literally go to the 61 self-service kiosks and bet every pick in the draft. Oh, man. It's just you keep turning around. You miss one, so what? Go try the next one. Miss that one, go try the next one. Miss that one, maybe you take a few off. Maybe you, you settle down a little bit, enjoy a Patron margarita tree or 
or four and then reconsider as the night goes on. It's just the best live betting night of the year, and we're going to have great giveaways for you. We want to see you in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Don't forget, they've got the fight for you Saturday night, Fury White. If you want to be there, make sure you reserve your spot, reserve a table for you and your friends, or reserve those reclining chairs throughout the FanDuel Sportsbook and Sports and Social in live casino and hotel by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. I had a uh, bit of a rough evening last night because of the Phoenix Suns because I was uh, not aware that Devin Booker wasn't going to play in the second half. wasn't great. So I was I was in a bad mood after the game ended, as you'd imagine I would be. And I said, I want to get a little bit of that money back. And I did by betting. This is not a joke. By betting, by putting in some live bets on Ukrainian ping pong. That is a straight shoot. That is a straight shoot. I, d- I do this sometimes when I'm just frustrated. I'm like, I, I'm not, I bet when I was, fr- I was frustrated about losing a little bit on the Suns game. So I wanted some back. I bet that the Orioles wouldn't score a run in the ninth inning. So I did well with that. They should make more of those bets available. Although, how funny is it that Aaron Oster hit on his first inning run bet last night? He hit on it because the Orioles scored for the first time all season. Scored a run in the first. I thought inning. it had to be Oakland that scored in the no, first. No, it's inning. either team. It's no. an either. Okay. It's the prop is either team scores in the first inning. Okay, like that's the prop, and they put it out there for basically every game. It's a first team run, a first inning run. And if either team scores in the first inning, you hit on the prop. And the the concept is. That you know, these these are your best hitters, and so this is your best chance maybe to score a run during the course of the game. And the Orioles, who hadn't scored an effing first inning run all year, scored their only run last night in the first inning. That guy's got a horseshoe up his ass. Um, so I was frustrated. So I said, I'm gonna throw a couple bucks on the Orioles not scoring a run in the ninth inning because when the basketball game ended, that was the last bet that was available for the Orioles game. Um, and then I threw some money on the, the Dodgers were down three, one. So I just threw a couple of bucks on the Braves money line there. So I, it didn't get me a lot back, but you know, any little bit helps when you, when you lose some money because you don't know Devin Booker is getting hurt, but then I wanted a little more back. And so I bet on the, I believe it was Las Vegas, whoever the Las Vegas triple a team was playing last night, they were going to, I have a rule whenever a game goes to the bottom of the ninth inning and it's tied. I have a rule that I bet on the home team. And it doesn't work every time, but it's the advantage play. They know what the team ahead of them did, and so they can make a decision based on that. So like if a team ahead of them decided to bunt and and purposely score a run in the top of an extra inning, they can choose to play for the one run just to keep things going. There is an advantage that comes now with being – there really is an advantage. There's always been an advantage being the home team in an extra inning game just based on the fact that you know – what the other team has done and what you need to do. That doesn't guarantee that you're going to do it, but there's an advantage to that. There's, I think, a heightened advantage in the new extra inning rules because you know what your strategy should be. If they play for one run, then you should play to make sure you get that one run. If they don't play for the one run in the top of the inning, then, you know, that's okay. Like, you want to go up and swing for the sake of swinging, then you can do that. Like, you can use their strategy try to figure out how it is you're going to go about doing your business. So I have a rule that when games get to the bottom of the ninth and they're tied, I bet on the home team. Now, I don't normally do that on AAA games, but it was what was available to me last night when I was frustrated. So I did that. 
And then I still, and then I hit that. So I was three for three and making money up last night. Again, not a lot, but I, I wanted a little more. And the only thing that was available to bet that was live was a some sort of Ukrainian ping pong tournament. So I just watched each match, and whoever won the first set, I just bet that player, and I won five. Mm. Now again, not because the odds weren't great; they were like minus five hundred or something, because like, they had already lost. They already won the first set, and mm-hmm. apparently, it's best three out of five. I didn't know that about ping pong. I learned something last night. Well, it's like that with tennis too. Isn't uh, it? Only at the Grand Slam tournaments. Oh, the rest okay. of the tournaments, but and only men's Grand Slam tournaments. The rest of them are uh, best out of three. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, I had a, I had a, I was, I was chasing the dragon a little bit last night after uh, after the Devin Booker situation cost me in the Suns game, which is a real bummer because I had hit on the Grizzlies last night. I was having a good night, man. I was feeling confident about the Suns. They look great, and then. Wet farts. Just wet fart noises. Uh, I'll get some K-tape, put it on that hamstring, and get back I'd out. like to hope. I'd like to hope it ends up being that way. <sighs> Going to have to do a little bit better than that for the NFL draft. Come hang out with Rita and I uh, for the NFL draft. We will be there one week from Thursday night in the FanDuel Sportsbook. From Tom. Tom says, Glenn, did you see the Ravens website picked up on your column and I feel like they missed out on the part. Yeah. You know what, Tom? I'll, I'll pick this up where you left off. Yes, I did. So always appreciate my buddy Kevin Eck, uh, who actually used to work here at PressBox. One of my favorite people, of course, was, used to be a writer for the WWE, was a, a heavy involved in WWE years ago. Love Kevin. Was at the Sun for a long time. Uh, great dude. One of my buddies. Kevin, um, I don't know if, how many days a week, writes their late for work uh, column at the Baltimore Ravens website and included the column that I wrote on Monday about things that I'm in favor of the Ravens doing in the draft. And a couple of people were responding to it because they didn't read my column. They just only read the part that Kevin responded to in his column. And it left out the part where I acknowledged that Sauce Gardner would have to fall down to like the territory of 9 or 10 in order for the Ravens to even be able to trade up for him. I don't think it's, like, the price that I, the people are like, you really think you can move up and you get Sauce Gardner and only have to trade a third and a fourth round pick? If he falls to a certain point, yes. I get it. You don't think he's going to fall to that certain point. I believe I saw Mel Kuyper in his most recent mock draft has Sauce Gardner going number two overall. If that's the case, Ravens ain't moving up to get Sauce Gardner. It ain't happening. But there are other mock drafts that have had Sauce Gardner, just based on the nature of whether or not the quarterbacks go, falling to the territory of nine. And at nine, it becomes a bit more practical to talk about the price point difference, if you use the old Jimmy Johnson trade chart thought, of getting up, it's like 500 points that you have to make up. So obviously you're trading them, the four, whoever it is, you're trading them the 14th pick. So the difference between um, 14 and 9, I don't have it up here. I'll, uh, for the sake of conversation, I'm so far behind today. For the sake of conversation, I'll pull up the trade chart. The uh, 2022, this is from drafttech.com. So I don't know if this is Bible or not. I don't know if this is agreed upon by all teams, but this is just generally based on how things have gone, th- what the point value is associated with certain picks. And right now, I'll use the number 9 spot, the Seahawks pick, that spot is valued at 1,350 points. The Ravens' 14th pick is valued at 1,100 points. That's a difference of only 250 points. So if you go to the third round where the Ravens have two picks, 
The 76th overall pick is valued at 210 points. In the fourth round, where the Ravens have five picks, the 119th pick is valued at 56 points. So a third and a fourth with the number 14 point-wise, and again, not everybody agrees upon this. This is just a general thought, a, a guideline, if you will, would make that trade work. For you to get up to number nine if Sauce Gardner were to fall to there. Now, your response might be, hey, if Sauce Gardner falls to number nine, aren't you a little bit concerned about why? Okay, yes. I, I don't, I'm not privy to all the information that everybody else has. But it could just be that these other teams don't prioritize cornerbacks. And especially if there's a team that really wants an edge rusher and takes Jermaine Johnson a bit early. Let's say the Giants take Jermaine Johnson. By the way, this is going to come up again in Would You Rather Wednesday here in a minute. But if a, the Giants take Jermaine Johnson at seven, and all of a sudden the top cornerback just happens to be sitting there. I am in favor of the Ravens considering it. That doesn't mean they have to do it. That doesn't mean that it would be shameful if they didn't do it. I'm just saying I'm in favor of them doing it, and there's a scenario where they could do it without having to pay an overwhelming price in order to make it happen. But if he's going number two overall, they they can't. They're not going to move ahead. <laughs> they're not going to be trading with the Jaguars to get the number one overall pick. And there are people that believe that Sauce Gardner really is one of the two or three best prospects in the entirety of this draft. But it's a weird year for the draft because there are people that are saying that about a number of players. It's just not a year where there has been a true... Aiden Hutchinson is believed to be a top three player in this draft across the board. Everybody believes that. Trayvon Walker suddenly is coming off as that guy. But I have talked to people that say, I think Trayvon Walker is a borderline first-round talent. It's a weird year. It's just a weird year for the NFL draft. And it's why it is that you hear from people, this is a good year for the Ravens to have so many um, fourth-round picks. The argument has been made that because of the nature of the pandemic, there were some players that maybe would have otherwise came out because they didn't have the same season in 2020. They didn't put as much on tape. They ended up sticking around for an extra year, and that's created an unbalance in talent where there is a deeper overall draft this year than there was a year ago, so having later picks is more beneficial. And I'm not even trying to de debate whether or not that's true. That might very well be true. But my response would be, you're still not going to find the draft where the fourth round was the better place to be making picks than the first round was. That, that has never happened and will never happen. Which doesn't mean there haven't been some gross... There have been a couple of gross first rounds over the years. There have been some that you look back on, you're like, um, but the idea that you're better off making five picks in the fourth round than getting a top guy, it's just not, I, I can't join you there. Could it happen to work out? The guy that you take in the first round doesn't pan out and that multiple fourth round picks end up being really good players? Of course. But playing the percentages, stop, stop. We're just trying to prove how smart we are. We're so smart. We know it's better to be in the fourth round. Stop it. I believe you're smart. You're very pretty. 
Your, your family's very proud of you. And if the Ravens end up making five fourth-round picks, I hope they all turn into being really good football players. But the idea that you're better having a, a ton of fourth-round picks than you are using those picks to move up and, and get better, more well-thought-of football players is just not something you're ever going to get me to agree with you about. I'm convinced on two things. I'm convinced, A, that the first-round pick is, is uh, Jordan Davis. I'm uh, with the and size. I'd be, and I'd be thrilled. I'm not. I'm not convinced of it at all. But I. I. You know. I like Jordan Davis a ton, so I'd be very happy about that. And I. I also am convinced that they're going to trade a couple of those fourth and third round draft picks and try and get a second second round pick. Now, whether I, that means they go after David Ajabo with that second yeah, second I don't, round pick, I don't know. You know, like could they? Yeah, they, of course they absolutely could. But it requires one there to be another team that's desirous of having these fourth round picks. Yeah. And like, let's just say, so it, most people seem to think that Ajabo wouldn't get all the way to the Ravens in the second round. Well, let's Okay, let's talk about it. So the Ravens are sitting at 45 in round two. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Talking about this guy going 40 picks or 30 picks below where he was expected to because of the injury. So, Which could end up having him drop to around 45, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, they want to get back in around the 52nd pick. That's considered to have a 380-point value. Um, by you would have to package your your first your second third round picks only worth a hundred points. You're gonna have a really hard time doing that without giving up your first third round pick. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm. If what you're talking about is getting a bonus player, because I am still in favor of considering David Ajabo, I'm absolutely still in favor of that. And and yes, to your point, if you want to sort of cushion that blow by it not being your only second-round pick, that you come away with two first two-round picks this year and David Ajabo, which is this just kind of bonus, mm-hmm. that makes you feel better than if David is the second player. Like, you, you only have one top two-round pick that can play this year, and then you're waiting on the other one. Right. So you can cushion the blow by, by adding an additional second-round pick. I'm listening. I'm listening to that argument. I'm listening to anything I'm just not enamored by the idea of making five fourth-round picks. Right. That does not... And I don't think the Ravens are going to do it. I disagree. With, we just saw them do it a few years ago. Like, I, I, I'm not saying they... I'm not telling you they will, but the idea that, like, they definitely won't, that's nuts. Yeah. We literally saw them do it. Just I'm not saying definitely. I just don't think they are. It, it, it's just my opinion. I don't think they are. Um... Yeah, I have no idea. There's so much yeah. that can happen during the course of the draft. I, I couldn't possibly to tell you. And it it wouldn't surprise me if there's almost an amount of hubris where they're like, no, we think we can find really good football players in the fourth round. As I said, the last time we did this, what you have to show for it is Tavon Young. Who's who, no longer here. Who's no longer here, correct. Who was, who was a nice player for a little while, but for the five picks that you made, what you got out of those five picks was Tavon Young. And very minimally anything else. So I, admittedly, that weighs on me. Even as people try to sell me on the fourth round this year, like it's better than most years. Okay. I'm weighed on the fact that all of the draft analysts, all of these types were raving about what the Ravens did in the fourth round five years ago. I mean, there were, I want to say it was McShay who said it was the greatest round in the history of any draft ever. They rave about what the Ravens do every year. Which is part of the problem, admittedly. That's part of the issue. But this is where we we want we just want to show how smart we are. We know about these guys and you don't. So we're telling you the talents there. There's I'm not saying that you can't find talented players in the fourth round. I believe you can. 
but I'd I'd rather get the guys that everybody seems to think are high picks in the draft. I'd rather have one more of those guys than three fourth rounders. All right, uh, hour number one of today's program is winding down. It has also been brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. So um, I want to introduce you guys to Thomas Booker. As I do that, because we had to have this conversation a little bit earlier, I'm going to promise that I'm going to get you Would You Rather Wednesday posted at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. So why don't we... Hang out with Thomas Booker, Baltimore native, NFL draft pick next week, and then we'll reconvene. We'll play a little Would You Rather Wednesday. Sound good? Good. Here's Thomas Booker. Well, we are just over one week away from the NFL draft, and we've been meeting a lot of the guys who are going to make up this class, but this is one that I've been looking forward to a while because he is very much one of our own. And he, of course, is a native of Ellicott City. He went to Gilman and had a hell of a career at Stanford. He's a defensive lineman and someone who I think would make a lot of sense for the Baltimore Ravens, but nobody asked me. He is Thomas Booker, and he's with us now here on GCR. Thomas, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. And great to be here. I've been super excited to get to talk to you the entire week. Dude, you are a really impressive human being, my friend. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I was digging in on you. How did the Chinese Honor Society come about? How in, a lot of dudes do a lot of things. I have yeah. not talked to a lot of people that were part of the Chinese Honor Society over the years. Yeah, so uh, interesting story about that. Um, I actually took that my freshman and sophomore year at Gilman. Um, that was one of the only classes that they let us take at uh, our surrounding girls' school. So I took it at Roland Park uh, Country School for about two years. If you're from Baltimore, you know the whole yep. private school deal. Yep. Um, so I took that for two years. I enjoyed it. And the funny thing is, I also took Spanish. Um, but I'm not the one with the language gene in my family, actually. Uh, I'm going to do a little little humble brag of my sister. She just actually got married this past weekend. Um, but uh, she actually is fluent in both Mandarin wow. and Spanish. Yeah. So the reason why I even picked Chinese was because she's 10 years older than me. So we actually took a trip out to China um, while she was in an immersion program. And uh, came to see her. She could only speak Chinese the entire time. So Whoa. I might have the honor society, but she's got the fluency bad. So I'm going to give her that. Okay, one. so like how much could, could you say, um, like, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of something. I uh, Could you in Chinese say, I can't wait to hear my name called next week? <laughs> so unfortunately, it's been about um, six years since uh, I took that uh, class. Uh, all right. Um, and right now, I just remember how to say uh, my mother and my father. Well, the Baba and well, the Mama. Wow. That's what I know how to say currently. Um, Bro. Uh, Spanish, I could give you a little bit more. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, my sister's yeah. definitely the one that got the language gene. I tried to do my best. How much pressure? Like, I was looking through, you know, not just your sister, your entire family. Like, has everybody's gone to Ivy League schools or Duke or, you know, places like that. How much pressure did you feel growing up? Like, man, I... I got to live up to a really incredible standard here. Yeah, no, no, it was an incredible standard set um, for sure. But there was never any kind of like negative pressure. Um, it was all kind of just, you know, everybody in my family are competitors. Um, they enjoy being the best at what they do, whether that's academically or athletically. And we push each other to greatness in a positive way. You know, it's not a tear down that's or cool. the pressure. So, you know, I felt like um, I had a lot of resources afforded to me as a kid. So I just had to use them to the best of my ability you know so 
naturally like that, that led me to some pretty cool places. But uh, you're right. Uh, I had a lot to live up to for sure. So I'm glad that they set an incredible example from an early age for me. You're doing all right with that. You're doing okay. <laughs> trying to, trying to. Your your father was a football player. Um, yes. Did you always know growing up that it was a path that you wanted to take or were you almost trying to avoid it a little bit? Like where, how did football work with you in your life given his background? Yeah. So, so I played a bunch of sports when I, like, as I was growing up, um, my first sport was actually tennis because um, okay. my dad, my dad's first sport was actually tennis as really? well. Yeah. So he played outside linebacker at the University of Wisconsin in like the mid to early 80s. So, you know, he was like a, a six foot two, you know, 230 pound dude moving across the tennis court um, with the racket. So yeah. that was definitely a different sight to see. Uh, but for me, like it was kind of just a natural progression. You know, I went from tennis to baseball to basketball. And part of the reason why I didn't play football until middle school was because my parents didn't want me playing with kids that were like two or three years older than me because I weighed a lot. Okay. So until okay. I could get to the age where I could play in unlimited leagues, um, they kind of helped me out. So I started playing in sixth grade and it kind of just took off from there. And I think my dad knew from a very early age that I was going to grow a football body. So he's like, you know, you know, basketball, all those other sports are cool, but we know where the end game is. And that's, that's what it ended up being. What did you weigh in at the combine, by the way? Uh, 301. 301. And you're 6'4", right? Yep, six four three zero one. So yes, yeah, sir. that's a football body. Like, yeah, see, yeah, see, like, <laughs> that quality. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It'd be really hard as six four three hundred pounds to move on a basketball court. Like it would just yeah. be really tough. Yeah, a little bit. That's that's a real tweener right there. You got the higher <laughs> point guard, but the, the size of like Shaq. So yeah, yeah the, the age of the Charles Barkleys is kind of over in the NBA, unfortunately. No, nah, that's 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 the truth. I mean, for me, I was big on like. I like being able to to be in the paint and everything, but sure. also come out and like lock up a guard from the perimeter. That was what I love. Like the the fact that I'm much bigger than you, but I'm still yep. staying with you. Like yep. that was a big ego boost for me. So I think that's where I got some of my quick feet from. He is Thomas Booker. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Thomas, do you remember a moment that made you fall in love with football? Do you remember a, a game or an interaction with somebody or anything like that where you were like, oh no, this this is this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm all about. Yeah, so I played I played tight end um, really early in my career. So I was really always a tight end defensive end um, going through like middle school and, and into high school. And I remember like in sixth grade when I, I scored my first touchdown uh, playing tight end and just the feeling of going up and getting the ball and like the 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 exhilaration that you feel when you score and your, your teammates coming to embrace you and all that. That was my first memory. It was muddy outside. It was rainy. It was classic Maryland uh, weather. Yeah. And uh, classic and, Maryland. Yeah, and it was probably 90 degrees the next day, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can't rely on what it's going to be day to day. But that was my first memory. But there have been so many other ones, you know, from high school. Um, Gilman McDonald football game, the 100th yep. game. Yep. You know, so I had one one of my favorite touchdowns I ever had um, was at Gilman. I forget the team that we were playing against. I'm rolling out uh, to the sideline. I catch a ball one-handed. I toe tap to stay in bounds. The dudes that were right next to me thought I was out of bounds because I was too big to stay in. And I just ran it right down into the end zone. I still have a clip of that on my huddle. Awesome. So if you want to go look it up and see, it's on tape. That's Um, cool. No, but there have been so many moments offensively and defensively. Had one um, at Gilman where I came through. I was was being read um, on like a read option. And I got into the backfield so quick that I tackled both the running back and the quarterback. That is the coolest play 
I've seen I've only seen that a couple times in my life, right? Like yeah. there was there yeah. was a, a guy that plays Antoine Perez was a safety at Maryland years ago, and he yeah. had a play like that along the side. It's my oh my god, it's the coolest play in all of football, right? Nah, you you feel like you feel like the man right. you come after that. You're like, okay, you couldn't even read me. Like I was too fast for you to read. Yeah. Oh, that's so dope. Oh, that's so cool, man. That yeah. is awesome. Um, you, you know, you mentioned obviously your time, did, were, were you, a, I, and I say this knowing you're about to have a new favorite football team and I understand all, I, I know the politics of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you grow up as a Ravens fan? Were you a football fan? Were, did you go to games? You know, were, were, was that the way that your family operated or was it more like, you know, I hate hearing about how many Cowboys fans there were that lived in our area. <laughs> no, no. So when I was young, actually, I was a big uh, Brady fan. I was a big Patriots fan. Ooh, ooh. And I, uh, I remember I had a really, like, traumatic day, that Super Bowl, where their perfect season I got ruined the Giants, by the Giants. Yeah. yeah, I remember having my Brady jersey on, and I was in tears. I, yeah, I've always, been, I've always been a big competitor um, in whatever I do, you know, whether it's a sport or whether it's, like, Monopoly or Scrabble. So seeing, like, my guys go out like that in the last possible game was tough. Um, and then I kind of migrated back to my roots uh, as a Baltimore Ravens fan. And, you know, I have everybody's jersey. I got Ed Reed's number 20 jersey. I got Hello United's jersey. Terrell Suggs. Lamar now, you know. So Did, uh, did you get chances were, to meet any of these guys over the years? Did you? Um, shoot, I'm trying to think. Uh, no, I have not. I don't think so. Um, okay. But, yeah, so it's actually funny. My parents, they got to go to one of the Super Bowls and they got to go to one of the parties. And um, they were like meeting like Gronkowski and my mom, like she has no idea who these people are. <laughs> so she's sending me pictures like, who is this? I'm like, mom, like, come on. It's like, kind of a big deal. Like that's my right, somebody you should know. Right? Yeah, it's definitely an undoubtedly top three tight end ever. So yeah, correct. yeah you know who that is. But, were, were, but, yeah. you, were you a Ravens fan again in time to be on the right side of root? So I'm thinking of the 12, the, the AFC championship game. Yes. So yes. you were rooting for the Ravens at that point. You were. Yes. Okay. All right. I mean, I had made my transition. I had, uh, I had matured. Um, we'll take I, it. I had gotten back to my roots. Yeah. Now, of course, obviously you get drafted by the Patriots next week. You're a Patriots fan again. That's the, Correct. You, and you always were, frankly. Like, Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So it works either which way. It's an interesting pairing to have the Patriots first and the Ravens, but... Uh. It happens. We'll, we'll give you a pass for that, especially if you end up back in Baltimore. Thomas Booker with us here on GCR. Thomas, you mentioned you were a tight end. Um, was Again, was there a point at which you knew, like, D-line is the spot for me? And I, and I asked that because I want to ask a little bit more about the fit. And I know the answer is, Hey, whatever a, a coach says they want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. But it, is there a particular spot that you say, I think at the next level, I could be a dominant, you know, nose tackle, or I could be a dominant. Like, do you have a spot that you say, that's the spot that I think I could dominate at? Yeah. So to answer your question first about like, you know, I played tight end and defensive end yep. throughout, you know, middle school and high school, kind of when did I realize the defense was it for me? I realized, so I had a conversation with my dad. My dad obviously played defense. He played outside linebacker. And uh, he always used to talk to me about, like, the hammer and relationship of offense and defense, right? Um, defense was always going to be the hammer. An offense was always going to be the nail. And you had to decide which one you wanted to be. And it became pretty clear to me playing football uh, that I wanted to be the hammer yeah. and not the you nail. Know? Yeah. And I think also for me, like, offense is great, like, when you have the ball in your hand, blah, blah, blah. But um, I don't know. It's just different. Like, defense is so much more aggressive. You know, it's, a, it's where you get to, to let the athleticism just go. It's not as kind of, like, um, calculated and everything. It is to an extent, but at the end of the day, you need to put somebody in the ground every single play. 
Right. Um, so I, I appreciated that about defense. There's something really fun about that. Yeah. There's, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And let and just the violence of it, you know, on a play to play basis and the way the defenses have to play together and the bond that you have with your brothers where you guys are all reacting to a play that you don't know and finding out a way to make it work every single time. So that's definitely what I would say. And then on the, uh, the kind of positional point, you know, I played a lot of positions at Stanford. Um, I played from zero technique. Um, some of our nickel stuff to five technique um, and some of our other things like pass rush. And I think for me, the the couple of positions that I think I can really succeed at, I think one of my biggest points um, and strengths in this draft process is my versatility, scheme versatility. Um, so I think in a three, four, I'd be a great, you know, end four technique, five technique. And in a four, three, you know, the three technique, two I, I think those are really, really good spots for me. Okay. And I've shown all of it on tape. So I think I've got some versatility, but if I had to pick, you know, four three being a defensive tackle, three technique, two eye, and three four being an end of a four or five. All right, I like that. I like that, man. Thomas Booker with us here on GCR. Um, you know, it's funny listening to you. You remind me a lot. There's another Gilman guy. I don't know if you know Brandon Copeland at all. I'm not sure. Yeah, ever, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so just listening to you because I remember talking to him when he was at this point in this stage of his, and obviously what an amazing run he has had, continuing from undrafted all the way to this point in his life. And I remember yep. thinking like. You have your S together so much more than the average person that I talk to at this stage in, in their life, right? Like, and I, and I say that because I, I wonder when you talk about the violence of it, you're such a smart person. Do you reconcile it all? Like that, that violence, you know, and, 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 the, and what a violent game, what it does to a brain, right? Like, is it difficult at all for you? Are you the type of person that's already thought about post-football type of stuff and what your life is going to look like? And, how do you reconcile all of those things, Thomas? Yeah, no, there's definitely kind of a duality towards it. But the way I look at it is like, you know, I'm a pretty like measured and reserved dude. And when you talk to me like day to day, like I do get riled up, but oh, I keep it in the frame, right? Yeah. Uh, football is kind of my one place where I don't have to keep it you in the frame. You let it out, yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone needs their outlet. The people who are extremely loud and whatever, they need their quiet time, right? The people who are the other way need the, the opposite. So football is kind of that outlet for all that like pure aggression and violence that I don't get to do in a day-to-day that wouldn't be acceptable. Um, but yeah, no, from a post-football sense, the reason why I went to Stanford, um, partially, you know, obviously the intellectual brutality moniker, the way that they play with their front seven, that was something I was attracted to. But I was also attracted to the prestige of the, of the university, the fact that it was so close to Silicon Valley, yeah. right? I'm very interested in technology, probably more from the business side. Okay. So um, that's why I got my economics degree is because it's a degree that allows you to think in a, in a large scale sense about, you know, market problems and stuff. So that gives you a lot of different venues and lanes to go into. So right now, obviously I'm focused on this career because this is what I want to do for course, as long as I can. But I know that, you know, the connections that I've made at Stanford and the skills that I've learned and, you know, the way that I've learned how to learn and how to adapt to different things is going to help me in whatever kind of uh, role or lane that I try to go into, you know, post football. That's awesome, man. That is incredible to hear. All right. Um, have, do you ever allow yourself to dream about like putting the perp? I know you had a visit with the Ravens and I, again, knowing whatever it's going to be, if it's Seattle, you're going to be the most excited you're ever going to be in your life. But do you yeah. allow yourself to dream about like what that feeling would be for it to be here and them and your family and everybody being here? Have you allowed yourself to even just have a moment to think about that possibility? I think it's inevitable, you know, obviously being like a, a hometown kid to think about putting on that purple and black and gold. So, I mean, the same way that when I got to Stanford, like what used to happen to me is like I got to Stanford and we do like our, our team run or something regular. 
and I would look down and I'd see like an S on my pants. Like I got right now, I have a Stanford Pro Day shirt on, yep. right? And it was just surreal for me because it was something I'd wanted to do for so long and I was doing it. So I feel like the exact same thing would happen to like the nth degree, you know, with any NFL team, but specifically uh, like the hometown guys, you know, just seeing the story history of that franchise and the fact that you're doing this in front of, you know, people that have seen you grow your entire life and have helped you grow, you know, that would be, I don't even understand how to describe it. It wouldn't even be surreal. It would be, un- it would be unreal, honestly. I mean, you wore their jerseys. Like, you had, yeah. you had some, now somebody else, some other kid's going to put your jersey on. Oh, yeah. man. It's, it's intense. It's really intense. Yeah, and, and it's that. crazy because, like, I saw that kind of progression at Gilman, too. You know, I've, I've been, I was at Gilman for 13 years, so I was there from, yeah. you know, preschool to, yep. you know, I became a senior. And one of the big traditions at Gilman is, like, when we're playing the Gilman-McDonough game, um, the, the football players, the seniors, they have uh, some of the little kids, and they walk them up to the stage before they do the big pep rally. So I, was, I went from being walked to being the person walking. Wow. You know, so that's seeing that kind of progression is, is kind of similar. That is really powerful, man. That is a really powerful thing. Um, the thing that you want to do for somebody the first time, and I don't know, maybe maybe you got a little NIL money this year, I don't know, but like it was, have you had an opportunity to do something or have you thought about something that you want to do for somebody, either in your family or somebody here that mattered a lot to you and your path to getting to this point? I haven't gotten too much time to think about it, but Honestly, so I went back to my um, I went back to my high school actually uh, after I got to visit with the Ravens uh, because it was right on the way back. So just getting to get back into my high school and talk to some of the kids there and talk to some of the teachers and just in general like the the community that I have back there that's definitely something that I want to do um, because I think there's a lot of like gems that I could potentially give yeah. people to help them in their process. And the biggest one that that I had and that helped me um, was that you never really have to compromise anything really. So for me, like when I came to Gilman, my parents sent me to Gilman so I could become everything, right? I could become the the scholar, the athlete, um, the the person in the community. I could develop myself socially, right? And I think a lot of the time people are pressured by whatever force to go into one lane, to become an athlete, to become an academician, anything like that. So my big thing is just like, you know, you can be a jack of all trades. There's nothing keeping you from that. You know, the limitations are either external or internal. And if, as long as you get rid of them, you can see yourself do a lot of different things in a lot of different lanes. That's awesome, man. That is awesome, right? Any, anybody that would be particularly worked up if it's Pittsburgh? Is there anybody in your life that, like, admittedly would say, dude, I'm happy for you, but there is no chance in hell I'm putting on one of those jerseys when I when I come to see you play? <sighs> you know, there probably are a lot of people that are like that. Yeah. I don't know if they'd actually tell me that to my face. Okay, right. But <laughs> but there might be some people like that in my like, life. Secretly <laughs> would ask you for tickets and then show up and like definitely be wearing purple anyway. Correct. correct. <laughs> They'd be yeah, happy that, for that, you. That, that might happen. That might happen. Yeah, that might happen. Uh, Thomas, social media, where can people in this area be giving you a follow as you continue on this journey? Yeah, so for sure. On Twitter, it's pretty easy. Um, at the Thomas Booker on Twitter. I just wanted Thomas Booker to be noticed, but they didn't have it available, so I had to go with the beat. Um, which is annoying, but it is what it I mean, is. You know, it's a, if you had, uh, unfortunately, you don't have one of those. Like, I'm, I'm Glenn Clark, so I know a thing or two about this, right? Like, <laughs> there's a few other people that share the same name. It's just the way that it goes, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, on Twitter, yeah, the at the Thomas Booker. And then on Instagram, it's uh, T Books IV, T B O O K S IV um, at, um, at Instagram. So yeah, those are, the, those are the two that I usually am on. Thomas, we are really thrilled for you, brother, and we can't wait to see how this plays out for you. My God, what a story it would be if it was Baltimore, but wherever it is, um, we will root for you. Uh, again, we won't promise if it's the Steelers, we ain't rooting for them, but we'll root for <laughs> you. 
All right. <laughs> we'll root for you and your success. And uh, you make a lot of people proud with everything that you've already accomplished. And uh, no doubt what's coming for you as this moves on. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning, man. And best of luck as we move towards next week. All right. Man, thank you so much for having me. This is a fantastic interview. Wishing you the best of luck. Yeah, it's Thomas Booker, remarkable human being and uh, someone who could very well be in play for the Baltimore Ravens during the course of the NFL draft. Likely a night two selection. Appreciate him taking the time for us here this morning on GCR. I, I was hoping that I'd be able to hold up for you. And the reason I, I've been waiting on telling you about today being the new print issue of PressBox, I was hoping someone would bring one into me and I could wave it up there and be like, hey, look at this beautiful new print issue of PressBox. Uh, I, I can't do that. So I want you to imagine with me what it might look like. All right? You go to your neighborhood Royal Farms today. You pick it up. There it is, immaculately beaming from a newsstand. A glorious photo of one Adley Rutschman, the catcher of the future for the Baltimore Orioles. And there's this incredible cover story, and you're enthralled Reading about it from Luke Jackson, you can't put it down. It's talking about where his passion for baseball came from, his passion for catching, and how infectious it's been on the entire Orioles organization. It's like uh, when Ralphie's teacher read his thesis and Ralphie's dream. You immediately stand up. You say, bravo, bravo. That's what it would be like, and I would show you that, but I can't. I guess I could probably... I don't know if I could pull up what the cover looks like uh, here on um, on the old com on computer, on the old computer machine, and let's take a look at it that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, there is the image. Eh, you can kind of see what it looks like. Hang on. Oh, you can flip through. You can flip through the issue. I don't know if that translates. There's the cover of the new print issue of PressBox. Can people see that or no? Yes, and it's beautiful. There it is. It's beautiful. They're real, and they're spectacular. It's Adley Rutschman on the cover of the new print issue of PressBox, which is available today at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Or you can read it all right now, even before I have mine. You can read it at PressBoxOnline.com. I promise it's coming. So I always say on new PressBox Day, if you stop by and it's not there, Come back on your way home. It'll be there. Uh, Stan and crew are out uh, taking the new print issue of Press Box all over town. And a really great cover story from Luke Jackson about the Orioles' uh, centerpiece of this entire process, Adley Rutschman, which is available. Speaking of available, Would You Rather Wednesday is now available at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. And Drew Forrester is going to join us in just a minute so we can talk about it. Let's talk about it. Get your responses in. Somebody's winning a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. All you got to do is participate. Again, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Just respond to any or all of the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios, and you will be registered to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. We'll talk to Drew next. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD Gambling Help.org. That first sip. 
That first bite mm, starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley. And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. Clark Radio. That wasn't the button. I don't know why I did that. That was a different button altogether that you didn't mean to hit. All right, back in here on GCR. It is a Wednesday edition of the program. Uh, Chris wanted to know how I feel about uh, Kevin Willard's first commit. Yeah, I didn't really talk about that at all yesterday. I actually have been in touch with Noah Batchelor. He might join us this week. Noah Batchelor from uh, Hagerstown is the uh, first official commit that uh, Kevin Willard has landed at the University of Maryland. Three-star prospect. He's been playing down at the IMG Academy in Florida. Um, you know, n- nothing overwhelming about his game necessarily, but what I would say is that, you know, 6'6", guy that can shoot, comes off as a helpful piece. Um, and I think it is important to get one to sort of start the process if you were expecting Kevin Willard to suddenly have the floodgates open and in the first couple of months land every top prospect available, then you weren't being reasonable. This is the problem when you step into a program that's been irrelevant for so long. You have to prove there's something there in order to pick up on recruiting. And again, you still don't even have a basketball facility yet, although we do know that it's coming. Um... So it's still a difficult thing to do. And as a couple people pointed out, frankly, Maryland's a little bit behind of other schools in terms of NIL and what's available. Um, simply, And when we say that, I think Maryland's got a great program for trying to help kids get plugged in with NIL opportunities. But they don't have the same group of boosters that are basically willing to put kids on payroll immediately that other schools do. So there's just a, a bunch of things that leave Maryland slightly behind as Kevin Willard starts this process. And 
we have to be reasonable about that. If you're pretending like Kevin Willard was going to be able to come in on day one, get all of the best kids just because you're fired up about a new coach having a good press conference, you, you've lost your mind. It doesn't work that way. It's but gonna, I want it to work that way. I love that. It would be wonderful. Don't get me wrong, Paul. I, too, would like that. But this is the constant thing that we all do where we want our dessert before our dinner. Like We don't want to have to eat our vegetables. We just want our dessert. In this case, with a new coach, eating your vegetables typically ends up being a tough couple of years. It ends up being, and I know that Iowa State maybe screwed that up for us because we saw a program a year ago that had been woeful. I mean, was one of the worst programs in the country the previous year and then turned around and made a run into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, which isn't to say that can't be done at Maryland, but it's not practical. It's not practical to think that this is suddenly going to be that program. The good news, if, if you're looking for good news, the good news is that there wasn't a mass exodus of players. That, to me, is the Kevin Willard victory in the early going, that his arrival wasn't greeted with a quick announcement from everyone that was on the roster that they were departing. The players that have left, you know, you're kind of not all that. Cut us Wahab. It didn't work here. And it... I'm not sure that it's going to work at the highest level for Wahab. I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, Marcus Dockery, come on, man. Like, the, the, the guy was barely a player here. So the fact that the guys that you would want to have stick around to this point are, are apparently sticking around, and there's still obviously time for them to change their minds, but you would think that if it was about the coach himself – they would have already done that. They would have already decided to move forward. That, to me, would be what you register as a, as a win for Kevin Willard. And with a huge assist from Danny Manning that he kind of kept the boat afloat throughout the course of the season and kept positive feelings within the, the core, the nucleus of this group. So that the guys like you know Juju Reese, the guys like Hakeem Hart, didn't end up choosing to leave as soon as the season was over or as soon as the new coach was announced or as soon as they had the first opportunity to meet or work with the new coach. That is the victory, if you're looking for one early on, from Kevin Willard. It's that the guys that are still there, the, the important ones anyway, and I know it's a small group that we're talking about, but the Dante Scotts, the Hakeem Hart's, the uh, Juju Reese's have decided to stick it out. Now they got to build a roster, and they got a lot of work to do in building a roster, and it probably ain't going to be pretty next season. Just got to be real realistic about that. That doesn't mean they're going to be woeful, but if we're being realistic, it's not likely that they're going to be very good. If you thought this was going to just line up and knock down five-star recruits, that's not practical. Kevin Willard has to go prove that he can do something, and if that's the case then more of those guys will will start coming in the coming years. The good news about Kevin Willard is he's thought of as a coach that can get a bit more out of these the Noah Bachelors of the world. His track record is that someone shows up as like a, you know, a decent prospect and turns into a really good college basketball player. Hopefully that continues for him. But yeah, he did land his first recruit this week in uh, Hagerstown's Noah Bachelor. 
All right, it is Wednesday, and for whatever reason, we continue to play this game. He is our friend Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com, and the host of Fairways and Greens every Sunday, 12 o'clock on 105.7 The Fan. What's going on, pal? How are you? I'm good. I'm on a bus in Williamsburg. It's going to get loud a minute because 12 high school golfers are getting ready to get on the bus. Hey, wait a second. What are you doing down there? What the heck's going well, on? Spring break. So what? You, you just went down to Williamsburg for the day? What's, what's the story? Yep. That's what we did. Like, well, no, we're here, we're here for till Saturday. Okay, so are you competing? Or are you just there hanging? Like, no, just uh, we just broke the team down. We do it every year. What do you do? So I'm going to get off the bus for a second while they get on, what so you, that my do do assistant coach can tell them to be quiet. All right, what do you do in Williamsburg? What do you are you down? You play golf. So you just hang out and play golf for a few days. Yeah, for why, four days. Why Williamsburg? Um, you know, close but far enough away. It feels like you're going somewhere. Um, a good deal at this time of year. Okay. All right. Yeah. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not, I like Williamsburg, by the way. I went to a bed and breakfast there last fall. It was lovely. It's a, yeah. lo- it's a no, lovely it's, little it's awesome. town. Yeah, right? Uh, unfortunately, the chef's kitchen is closed. I got bad news for you. Chef's kitchen is closed, so you won't be able to make it out. I'm so sorry. Okay. Apparently, the guy passed away, which is very sad. Um, but it's a bummer. As long as, it, as long as it wasn't the Asian kitchen in Owings Mill. Well, no, that one, uh, That I, I assure you, I believe you managed to keep them in business for, I think, an, at least an additional fee. Whatever the oh, amount of money. Hold, hold on. Okay. I'm doing something on the radio. Be quiet, please. <laughs> oh, Go ahead. oh, boy, listen to Drew. Well, if I don't say that, they're going to just keep yelling. So, <laughs> How yeah. many kids are on this trip? Well, ten, ten of them are in the bus with me. Ten of them are in the bus with you. All right. Yeah. Where are the other two? <laughs> That's oh, in another in another in another vehicle. Oh, wait, oh. wait, a police yeah. a police car? What's going on with the no, car? Not yet. Oh, not yet. We just got here. <laughs> what? Hey, what are the rules for a trip like this? By the way, like, are you doing door checks every night? Like, how oh, does yeah, this yeah, work? yeah, eleven o'clock. Okay, you don't do the bit where you put tape over the doors, and then if the tape, like... No. Okay, you don't do that bit? No, we don't. Not yet, but that's not a bad oh, idea. They, they did that bit at Perry Hall High School. I promise you that. Well, <laughs> there, there's a difference. Perry Hall High School was a bunch of hooligans. These kids are not... You say... They're not quite hooligans. Okay, right, yeah. You're, you're yelling right. at them 20 seconds ago. They're not hooligans. Right. Well, I'm not yelling at them. I'm, being, I'm directing them. Oh, okay. You're coaching right. them, if you will. Is what Correct. Perry Hall them. High School had some kid running down the are? halls yelling pork and beans or Frank's uh, there, beans. That was me. Yeah, correct. Are they? Right. Are, they, are, they, are, they are they quiet now? Really? Was that enough? Is all are. it took? Oh, okay. That's all it takes. Look at you. That's it. Hey, the so, first day they're they're on their best behavior still. So so what's going on with you and John, you and John Little Rock are fighting? What's going on? John's then? insane. He John is John is like John little John might be if he got checked certifiably insane. He said, what a brilliant display of football. No one calls it football in this country but him. He's the only person. He's not the only person that calls it football. He's the only person that's sane. Uh, I mean, there, there are no sane people that call it football. Stop. Stop. Now you're just saying that. Did you really get into a – hang on a second. Did you really pick a fight with John and Little Rock on the yeah. internet? Because yes. he, what is going on in your life? Like, <laughs> What is? Just because hang I on a second. Stop, 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 stop. What a brilliant display of football. No, no, like, I got I to gotta, I gotta flip this switch. This definitely says way more about you. you no, no, no. You were sitting you, around one day. What a, what a brilliant display of football. You were on trying a to trip. Sound like he's, trying to sound like he's English. You're on a oh, trip. Oh, a brilliant in, display of football. In Williamsburg. Lad. Why didn't he just say lad? Wait too? Stop, stop. You're you're in Williamsburg on a golf trip, and you yeah, took well, time I out when of... he tweeted that. Oh, where... I was actually at breakfast. I oh, think you were at breakfast. But anyway, but where were you? Wait, wait what a, a brilliant display! Were you out with know. somebody else? Were you out with other human beings? 
What a brilliant display of football, lad. I want to make it very clear. You say a lot of stupid things on Twitter. You say so many dumb But I only respond to like one out of every thousand that you dumb things that you say on Twitter. What a, what a brilliant display of football, You lad. went out of your way to pick a fight with John about him saying the word football on Twitter. Right. Did he spell no it with doubt. a double O or with the U? No, he spelled it with two O's. This is called soccer. What is wrong with you? What, what is, a brilliant display of football, lad. Is this who you're going to be? Do you guys want to go get a, do you guys go go get get a, a pint? pint? <laughs> yeah, right? Do you, is, is this who you're going to be for the rest of your life? Are you going to be the guy? No, just goes, with him. Oh, just, just with John. With just with John. All right. That's, are you just still? With him. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Do you want to go get a pint? <laughs> you're, still, you're so worked up about it. Oh, man. You're so worked up about it. All right. What do you care about? What's going on in your world? Um, I don't know. Nothing really. I mean, the baseball team's done. So, I mean, I mean come on. That didn't take long. They were done before um, they started. When, how many touchdowns will Boykin catch against us this year? Nine. Come on. Three? We're not, we're not going to pretend oh. like Miles Boykin is a player. Oh, but he's definitely going to catch a touchdown against but that us. That requires him having. He might only have three, but he'll get. He, but one of them will be against us. It requires him having to make the roster, though, in order to do oh. that. You know, and I know right now he's Why? catching one against us. Because he can block and play special teams. That wasn't enough to keep him on the Ravens roster. He was here for four right. years before, three years before they I got mean, rid of him. Maybe. He'll make the Steelers roster. Maybe he'll make the Steelers. No, he's going to make their. He'll make their team. He'll catch a touchdown against us. He probably will. I mean, so that, you what? definitely know that. So what? So he does. Now, like now, we, now what do we do? It's like when we traded Paul Kitson, and he came back when he played it's, against it's us with exact, the force. It's exactly And I said, take, right. it, take it easy on us tonight. Right. He said, that's not going to happen. Everybody, and then he scored three goals, then he scored three goals against uh, us. I've heard, I've heard that comparison from a lot of people, by the way. It's what yeah, everybody's right. talking about in town. Is the well, actually, Paul Kitson was much better at what he did than Miles Boykin was at what he did. <laughs> Or does uh, since he's still active? Oh God! So you, um, you, you, God, what were we fighting about yet? Oh, we were fighting about the Canada thing, right? That you, that you're, you're oh, those insane people you, up there, right? Because it's definitely we're, not. No, it's it's, it's Getty, not Getty at Lee all. Should on, be ashamed. Yeah. Getty Lee should renounce his citizenship. It's definitely not at all on the guys that, for no reason at all, are choosing to not get vaccinated. There's definitely well, no it obligation. Would have been, it would have been a year ago. This is 2022 now. So, we're, we've We've hopefully we've graduated from that. Well, I'd like to hope that too. I'm I'm not. I don't, believe it or not, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not exactly sure exactly where we are. But but I, I, this is what I because I I did have somebody else ask me about this legitimately. I used to like Canada. <laughs> You're on one today. What, what did you have for <laughs> breakfast? What did you have exactly? Um, like five cups of coffee because oh, I had one hour no one hour one hour of sleep. So I we left at five thirty. I had someone say, do you really actually think that the rule should be in place? And I don't know. My gut is probably not. My gut is at this point, we should be past that, but it's not my, my believe it or not they're, not, they're not, they're not calling me to ask me what my opinion is on the subject. But I had somebody present this argument to me, which was, it's less about, um, it, it's more about a functional society. Like, we're not going to reward you for choosing not to be a part of a functional society. You don't want to get vaccinated. That's your business. We're not going to force you to. But the idea that you get to have the rewards, it's not going to come that way. And I don't really have a problem with that either, to be completely honest with you. As long as like, you think you're right when you say functional society. I mean, like the things that we all got to do in order to be able to like go out and, and have lives and, and get the economy started again. Right. I things think like what that. we should do is no one should go anywhere anymore. Well, I mean, we tried that for a little while. I'm not sure if you're you aware. Just, we tried you that. You just stay where you are <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't and watch football. Over, right? 
I saw I saw this. Uh, watch, watch football, lads. Hang on. This morning, Jeremy retweeted. Oh, this was good. Uh, hang on a second. Jeremy retweeted. Uh, there's a, a, a headline in the New York Post this morning, and it's uh, a young. It's a very attractive young woman. She's lovely, and the headline says, "I make one hundred and forty-eight thousand dollars a year fulfilling the darkest fantasies of married men." And my response was. Well, where does she take the kids for the weekend, and how does she get them to make three John, more John Wick movies so quickly? Like, fantasy, my fantasies are not what I think this young lady believes they are. My forty-eight grand, huh? Um, I mean, it's good work if you can get it. Absolutely. Yeah, you thinking the about cash? Yeah, you thinking about signing up for OnlyFans? That, you thinking about right, starting is that, to pay? Is that cash? I don't. I don't. I don't know. If, I don't know if the are staff would be okay with it. <laughs> What are we doing today? Why are we even doing this? Uh, I don't know. What I'll see you Sunday, though. That's right. Uh, you'll be. I'm at- excited to lead you in on Sunday. Yeah, the please. Rita Hubbard show featuring occasional input from Glenn Clark. If, if you you better under, I know that damn well. What like the best- what did you? Are you calling the show? I have not heard yet. It's it's a bit. We're calling it Glenn and Rita, Rita and Glenn, because whenever I say what the name of the show is, I'm going to say Rita and Glenn, and whenever she says what it is, it's going to be Glenn and Rita. So gotcha. it's a bit that we're going to do for a little while until you know we let we, we the idea being we want a letter minute. Everybody's going to hate it. We want to keep going with it long enough for it to come back around and people get a chuckle out right. of it. That's right. the concept of the bit. Well, um, from what I've heard, very little of her and a lot of you. I'm, likelihood is she's going to carry most of it. Well, she's going to be, she better. <laughs> what the hell am right. I doing? She better. Yeah, right. I mean, what are you doing? Uh, right. No, they give you an Well, hour. I'll lead you guys in very successfully on Sunday. Yeah, will, anybody, on Sunday. will anybody still be listening at 1 o'clock? They better be. Oh, I got a no. bunch of good guests on Sunday. Well, what do you have? What's coming up on Fairways and Greens? I got Rex Hoggard. Oh, um, I like Rex. I've got a guy named Ryan French who runs the Monday Q Info Twitter account, which is very popular in the world of golf. Um, sure. So, yeah, we got we got some cool stuff. I, I, it's I it's for the you. sophisticated golfer, <laughs> not for you. It? What is this goofy tournament that they play this weekend in New Orleans? What is that? It's actually pretty cool. It's a two-man uh, event year, but it's a legitimate event. Two-man um, you play better ball and alternate shot, and it's a real tournament, real money. But like, can, um, you get, is it possible for somebody to play like crap and still win this tournament because the other guy was no. so good? No, 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 okay. no. If your partner don't play good, you, you're X. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, but but somebody could play brilliantly well and not win. Like somebody could have the best weekend oh, of yeah. their life playing golf and not sure. win the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could happen. That doesn't seem that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Now that why 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 this? Were were golf fans asking for um, this? Yeah, and I think you know after the Masters and after um, Hilton Head, there's a little bit of a sort of a audible breath of like ah, and they wanted something that was a little more fun. And I think the players like this. It's a good break for them. They're in New Orleans. They bring their family. You know, I think they like it. Okay, if you say and, so. And it was kind of a player-driven event. I, I will tell and, you, I was in New Orleans the weekend of this event one year, and it was like every every Uber I got into, they were like going out to the golf tournament. Like every, it right. was a big deal down there. Yeah, no, it's it it, it it's a it is. I would say that the tour needs more of these things. Like to, to it that makes wouldn't it be even out. a bad idea if they did a, a four-man team thing for a week. You know, like, they need more of this. Just, People don't really care what the format is. They just want to watch these guys play golf. Well, but the idea being that make the tournament stand out from just being this week's tournament right. at, at Milwaukee or whatever. Co- correct. Huh. And it's not 
that different than that Premier Golf League project that they were talking about where these guys formed teams. The problem is they just didn't have the players to do it. Did you watch, but, the, uh, did you watch the Greg Norman thing last night? I did. Um, and so I, everybody's mad that they didn't talk at all about like this currently, but was it still Yeah, worth- but I would think this has been in the works for a while. I don't, I don't, they got him to go there on site is kind of remarkable because I figured that was a ghost he did not want to visit again. So he went back to Augusta. Correct. Okay. All right. That That's like sending Bill Buckner back to first base and saying, hey, Bill, we're going to hit you a grounder. So I was young at that point. I think I had forgotten that, like, it happened. It didn't drag out really over the course of the day. It was over pretty quickly during the course of the round. Yeah, I mean, he started off okay, and Faldo made a couple birdies, and it was six, and then it was four, and everybody was still giggling and laughing. Then it was two going to the back, and then he hit it in the water, and nobody was laughing anymore. And when he hit it in the water at 16, like, into the middle of the pond, it, you know... That last that was a death march the last forty five minutes. Man. And then what was the yeah. what was the famous line from Faldo afterwards? What did he say? Don't don't let the bastards get you don't down. Don't let the bastards get you down. I think Rihanna yeah. stole that in a song. Because of, of you media people. Right? Yeah, yeah, because of you media people. That's right. what it is. All right, what the hell? We got nothing else to do. Let's play Would You Rather Wednesday. We cl- we can't right, we're, we're, we're here for Connolly. All right, number one, would you rather? The Orioles, of course, currently their pitching is historically good. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. But the lineup stinks. Right. Would you rather it continue this way the rest of the season, or at some point this week it flips, and by the end of the year, the lineup is amongst the best in baseball, but the pitching is what we thought it was going to be coming into the season? I wouldn't mind seeing the pitching stay the way it is. Okay. Pitching's harder to get than bats, in my opinion. All right. All right. I'll take the pitching. All right. Number two, would you rather, are you familiar with the concept of testicle tanning? I heard about yeah. it. Would you rather your boss offers you a 50% raise if you'll go with him once a week for a round of testicle tanning? Or, you know what? I think I'm okay. <laughs> Where is your boss while while yours are getting he's, tanned? He's, uh, you guys are your buddies. You're next to each other. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'll stay broke. No, oh, you're good. Yep. You're good. No problem. Uh, And number three, would you rather the Ravens package second, third, and fourth round picks in order to move up ahead of the Giants, get into the top six, and take one of the top defensive prospects? Or, nah, just stick it out at 14. Somebody's going to fall to them. 14. No need to move. We'll get somebody good. All right. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Fairways and Greens, Sunday at 12. Please listen, because we need there to be an audience at 1 o'clock for, uh, for Rita and Glenn. Uh, it's going to be a really good show. And there'll be, we might even talk a little football. Wait, why? You're a golf show. Uh, oh, you mean well, you're doing a, I like you soccer. soccer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah football. All right. As some people call it. Drew- as, some, as some nutcases call it. What a weirdo you are. Fighting with John on Twitter. <laughs> Drewsmorningdish.com at It's a Hooded Four Eye, and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good week. See you, buddy. Drew Forrester. Drew's Morning Dish checking in with us here on GSAR. Imagine that's how you start your day today. You wake up and you're like, I'm going to go fight with this guy because he said he described soccer as football, which is completely legitimate. We gotta, I got worries about Drew, I man. Think like, he I think should, he's, if, if he had spelled it with a U, I think I'd have less of an issue with it. But well, spelling it would be a, it would be a single L. F-U-T-B-O-L is what you're saying. Yeah. Football. Yeah, if he spelled it that way, it, w- it would be fine. But spelling it like American no, football. No, people actually say that, Paul. Soccer fans say that. 
That's the name of the sport. We're by the way, not we're, America. We're the a holes. Like we're the ones that think we're better than everybody else, and that we but I, we we are. Well, thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. <laughs> we are, you especially here on GCR. No, correct. We're the best. Uh, we're the we're the tops, top notch over here. It's top top notch. Best internet radio show going in Baltimore. Oh really? boy, what's our competition? Uh, <laughs> I haven't cast my vote yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll decide how I feel about that. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that this is just who Drew's going to be moving forward, that he's just going to be this guy looking for attention I, on Twitter somehow and fighting with everybody. I am still so confused by his radio voice. It sounds nothing like him. What do you mean? He has a radio voice that he uses on the radio that sounds nothing like the man we just heard. No, that's I, not true. It is. I called I, in the other day. I, I called in last week. I heard him when they were previewing his show during uh, a couple I think during right before baseball season started and the voice he was using was not Drew Forrester. I don't know about that. I'd have to hear it. I was taken aback. I'd have to hear it. All right. Would you rather uh, number one, pitching stays this way. I mean, unbelievably good all season long. But the bats suck. Never wake up. They're awful. They're atrocious. Historically inept. God. All season long, or flip it, reverse it, as Missy Elliott might it, say. It's so hard because, like Drew said, pitching is so hard to come by. But can you watch a hundred more, hundred and fifty more games where your team scoring two runs a game? I think there's also, by the way, one thing that people aren't thinking about. Like that would involve Adley Rutschman sucking exactly. too. That's and and all you thought. guys a week ago were going on about how it would not be okay for Adley Rutschman to suck. That you you would rather have less wins. And like be be even worse, and Adley Rutschman not suck. This scenario involves Adley Rutschman sucking. I'm kind of painting you guys into a corner. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to take the offense on on this one because I think the pitching is going to come crashing back down anyway, and I would much rather be entertained and see guys dropping bombs rather than have to watch a, a team lose three to two every night. Like everyone is saying, the pitching, literally everyone. I'm taking the He's offense. Saying, Give me the pitching. I also know who we have coming in the minor leagues, so I think that, and there's always free agency. Lewis, I love good pitching. I want to that to keep being incredible. Paul and Ovilando, I guess I'll take the pitching being incredible because in watching the minor league teams every night, the Orioles have uh, Calvary coming at all levels with the bats. I don't know why we still do this Calvary thing. It's a cavalry. I love you, Paul. Cavalry. I know one player at Delmarva. I know one player. What do you mean? He he said we, they, oh at they, every they, level. They, oh yeah, I yeah. know one player. Yeah, I mean I I I'm not I am i am even think when, when, like I don't even know what you mean by a cavalry. Adley Rutschman's going to be here. Mm-hmm. So tell me about all of the big time bats that you're flooding the system with. I I I, I like Kyle Stowers, but presumably I think Kyle Stowers is going to be here this season. So again, he would also suck if that were the case. I, I think there are other guys, the Kobe Mayos of the world, that could. But the idea that there's a cavalry of bats, there's a lot of good bats. Hudson Haskins tearing the. Cover I like Hudson Haskins. I Taron Vavra, Jordan Westberg. I Gunner think we're Henderson. overselling those, though. I think Colton you're Kowser, Connor Norby. I think you're overselling these guys as being guys that are sure things to be quality major league bats. I think there are guys that are intriguing. Mm-hmm. I think there are guys that I believe can be, but using the word cavalry to describe them, like. They better be sure things. We're not talking about three, four, can't miss 
types of prospects. We're talking about guys that are intriguing, that are hitting well, that are we can use any kind of combination of words that we want to use to describe them, but they ain't can't miss prospects that we're talking about. When I look at at the game and the, the body type and just the play of Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson, I see Corey Seager, Trevor Story type players. I, that, that, Paul, I hope beyond hope that you're right about that. that that's, but, that, that's what I see. But, with but, but there's no way to know that. But and you're living on an island. The, the the personnel people around baseball are not feeling that way about those guys. They like them. They mm-hmm. think they're players, but they're not feeling they're, that I mean, way. They're about both them. basically top hundred prospects. That's again nobody's. There's a difference between being a thought of prospect and being a this guy is a soup. You're talking about superstar. You're talking about Corey Seager. Like, that's yeah. an extraordinarily high level that you're talking about. I mean, Gunnar Henderson's only 20 years old. I, and he's a double not, A. You, and he's in, we're and he's having two different problem. conversations. Right. I'm just saying that I there believe, was a point where Corey Seager wasn't Corey Seager. I, I understand. Where he was Gunnar Henderson. I understand that. But it would have been unreasonable to say then that we think that that's what Corey Seager is going okay. to be. Nobody's saying they can't become that type of player. Mm-hmm. But to assume it is nuts. It's Bonkers. I didn't say that they're going to be. I said that's what I see. I see the, the type of player that they are when I watch their game, when I look at their body type, I see Trevor Story and Corey Seager. I'm not saying that they're going to become those players. Those are just the players that I, I see I, when I look I, at them play. I think the percentage chance of them becoming that type of player is extraordinarily low, which, again, doesn't mean it can't work out mm-hmm. that way. But I think it's extraordinarily low. I like bats in the Orioles system. I think there's talent there. Mm-hmm. I think assuming that this scenario is Mountcastle sucks this year, Rutschman sucks this year, Mullen sucks this year. Oh, I don't want that at all. That's like, why I took the that's that, why I took the, the scenario that we're talking about. And again, some of those guys could bounce back next year. It's not as if one year of sucking means they're terrible. In the same way that one year of all these pitchers being good does not guarantee that right. like Bruce Zimmerman is that guy moving forward or anything along those lines. But it's a real detriment to the entirety of the organization to try to put together that lineup and just hope that everybody in the minor league still hits. Oh, moving I, I, I absolutely think they're going to need to bring in some some quality free agent position players. I don't think you can you can bank on all of your top prospects making it to the major leagues and reaching their ceiling. I, I think they're going to have to bring in supplemental talent. Um, other other responses that came in on this one really quickly. Eric, I'd rather pitching is lights out and the bats struggle only because we seem to have some depth in the minors with the bats and not with the arms. I feel more secure with the minor league position players than I do with the pitching. Uh, from H-I-U-F. Oh, I just huddle it up. I know this guy. Uh, pitching by the bats later. Uh, John, hitting would be more exciting to watch, but I would go with the pitching to win. and To win? I'm telling you the team's going to be bad. I'm telling you, the team's gonna, it's not going to help you win. The team's going to be bad in either scenario. It's just that in one scenario, they're bad because of what we're seeing right now, great pitching, you know, inept, utterly inept offense. In the other scenario, they're bad because they're scoring a ton of runs, but they're giving up 12 a game, something along those lines. Neither of it uh, results in winning. Not now, maybe down the road. I also saw the 96 Orioles score almost 1,000 runs they did and, do that. And, and make the playoffs, even though their pitching staff as a whole had an ERA over five. Right, but I'm telling you, they're not going to make the playoffs in this scenario. I'm giving either scenario, yeah, the team stinks. Your scenario, stinks. team stinks. You just you're <laughs> taking one or the other because you're thinking about what it means moving forward. Yeah. What's better for the organization moving forward? I I I can't believe how many of you said I can't take a scenario where Adley Rutschman stinks, and then you're turning around and saying I'll take this scenario. Uh, That's weird. I, want, weird. I want the offense to be weird better. to me. All right, number two. Would you rather? Great news. Your boss is going to give you a fifty percent raise. 
but it means that you and your boss are taking a weekly date to go testicle tanning together. Or nope, no, I'm 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 good. I'll just just a simple pass. All right, so if you look at my scenario, uh-huh. I have two jobs, and one I work for PressBox. Right. And but that's not your. This and, isn't your full time job. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. T- and two, I am a waiter in a restaurant right. where I make all my money off of tips. No, 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 have you, you ever got? You're trying to tile this no, up now. Have you're you, trying have, to tile it you, up. Have you ever gotten? Uh, what I'm saying is a 50 percent raise isn't much in either scenario. No, no, no. So, no you're you're trying. I'm saying you're going to make 50 percent more. So in your scenario, it's 50 percent more tips. Like you're trying to tile oh, it up. Okay. Okay. 50 percent more. I'm saying tips, stop trying to be cute. You're going to have 50 percent more money than you had last year. You're going to make fifty percent more money than that. I'm not trying to be cute. I just misunderstood this situation. What my boss pays me. No, no, no that's is you're, different. You're, you're diving in too mar- too far on it. You're getting fifty percent more money. Okay. What it means is you got to go testicle tanning with your boss once a week. Once a week. Have you ever had a sunburn on your I, testicles? I had a. Oh uh, no, I don't believe I have, Paul. Ne- neither have I. I, I, I don't ever want to know what that feels like. So I'm 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 good where I am. Yeah. So I had a f- couple people ask some specific questions about this. Uh, someone said, "Do I have to see him in action?" Not necessarily, but you're going together, and I would almost describe it like a like imagine you're going to work out together. You're going to be in the locker room together. You're going to see things. Like, you might not purposely do it. It might not be that your boss is going to go wave it right in front of you, but it's going to happen. Are you standing You're behind going, individual walls with glory holes Paul, that your balls go I through? Got, i got to be honest with you. I've never been. I don't know. <laughs> Although I did offer to take, as my, uh, as my welcome gift uh, to everybody at 105.7, I offered to take the whole staff out for a round. <laughs> I said, I told Jeremy, I'm like, hey, man, you can go organize with everybody. I'll take everybody out for uh, the first round. Of, oh, first man. round of testicle tanning is on me. Jerry Coleman first in line. I, don't, I haven't heard back. I haven't gotten any responses from anyone about my. I thought it was a kind offer, as a bonding activity. Uh, hey, man, you know, get to know everybody. Let's all go out for uh, a nice round let's, of uh, tan on our testicles. Let's together. toast your testes. That's what I thought. I thought it'd be a nice thing to do. Somebody said, "Well, can Rita go?" Absolutely, Rita can come along with us. I don't know <laughs> what, what the equivalent would be. I don't know. I have no let's idea not even what it get would the, be. Get, don't get don't know what that would be. Um, responses on this one. From oh, uh, from uh, M. Smith, I'll take 50% and some bronze jewels. Uh, Huddle It Up says, I'm good, bro. Money isn't everything. Bro. This one's the one he said, bro. <laughs> not sure. Did I put that? Maybe I put that in the red. The, the scenario, I don't remember. Uh, Brian, I hope my the wifey appreciates the tan on the jewels as much as she'll appreciate the raise. From Dave. Dave says... Glenn, I like my boss. We get along quite well. I would prefer to keep it that way. I'm going to pass. I don't understand. You and the boss going out once a week? It's like going out for beers. You're just going out for a nice uh, tan on your testes. I don't understand. Why would that Why would that cause problems between you and your boss? You just go out, have a nice chat, get yourself some, uh, it'll improve your testosterone, I'm told. You'll be, be more jacked up. Maybe later you can go to a rage room and smash some S. I don't know. Go, go ask John to go with you. And see if he wants to hold hands while it happens. He's got his door closed. Oh, he appears to be on a call. Yeah, he's probably trying to figure his way out of this. It's like Glenn's gonna ask me to go test. I was gonna have him come back here, and I was gonna present this scenario. I was gonna, I was gonna see if, uh, if I could present it for him with Stan. I was gonna say, hey, I know Stan's not technically your boss, but let's just say, let's just say that was the case. All right, number three. Would you rather the Ravens load up, use second, third, fourth round picks all to move up? ahead of the Giants, get into the top six, 
Take one of the reasonable. So I'm not giving you Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker because I think those guys are top three picks. But any of the next group of guys, Sauce Gardner, Kayvon, Kayvon Thibodeau, or um, you know, Jermaine if you Johnson. have to move up to get Jermaine Johnson, there are people that think he could fall, but there are other people that think that he could be in play for the Giants at seven. So you get your choice of any of those players by moving up or nah, sit it out, I'll wait, take whatever's left at 14. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stay where I'm at at 14. You can get a, a good player at 14. You pick it, still picking the top half of the draft, and you can get good players in the second, third, and fourth round. And I don't think it's worth mortgaging that much of your draft for one player who you, who still might not. Uh, does this say can't miss? It doesn't say that they can't miss. It's just top prospects. So I, I, well, I mean, like, nobody's can't miss. It's draft. Right. Like I can't guarantee that anybody's gonna pan out. Right. Uh, I, I I'm gonna stamp at. Okay. I think I have a better shot with four picks than I do with one. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know about that. Just as I go back to the value of like the fourth round picks, I can't tell you. From Larn, see what happens and move up a few f- spots if the player you really like is still there. Well, it's, I'm tell- that's the Larn. I love you. I'm, I don't. I, don't know. I actually don't know Larn. That's what I'm telling you is the the scenario that a guy that you love is sitting there at seven or at six, and you have the opportunity to move up and get that guy. If you love him. If you say, I don't love those guys all that much, then then you're probably not going to do it. Brian, hold the picks. Apparently this draft is loaded with talent in the mid-rounds. Ah, I'm going to bang my head in the desk again if I hear about how much talent is in the mid-rounds of the draft. We just want to show us how smart. We're so smart. We're all so smart, and we're very good-looking, and we're very special baby boys. We're all very precious, and we can all sleep in Mommy and Daddy's room tonight. I promise you. Get the best players. If they were that good, they would probably be talked about a bit higher in the draft. It's not. There aren't 150 rock star players in this draft which doesn't mean there won't be some in the fourth round that won't end up being better than players that were taken in the first round. And I like getting talent everywhere, but improving my odds of getting the top guy, by the way, the answer for me is easy. I'm absolutely moving up, you know, specifically with Sauce Gardner. Like, I'm moving up and taking the top cornerback in the draft. I'm taking the guy that didn't allow a single touchdown in his collegiate career. One. Did not allow one in his collegiate career. I'm moving up, and I'm getting that guy. And if ultimately that's not what the Ravens do, that's quite fine. I hope they find a rock star player not only at 14, but in every round thereafter. I hope that proves to be the case. But me, personally, I'm getting the dude. And I think it's the thing that I have said a few times in recent years is most missing with this Ravens roster is it's a roster made of of good players, but that lacks in the transcendent spirit special department there's of course Lamar Jackson I think Mark Andrews has moved himself into that territory or if not is damn close he's on the edge of that territory like is he Travis Kelsey is he George Kittle maybe not but he's damn close to that he's better than both of them last year yeah I mean the injury had something to do I mean George Kittle was hurt right like I mean he's athletically those are guys are a bit more freaks than Mark Andrews is, but he's in that range. He's close to that that conversation. And who else? We thought Marlon Humphrey was in that conversation, but he sure as F wasn't a year ago. Who else? Who else is in the truly special, clearly your kicker, 
That's I've, not a football player. Nobody's there, but I, I still believe J.K. Dobbins can be. Maybe. I love J.K. Or, Dobbins. I, I like J.K. Dobbins too, but he, you know, he was also responsible for a, a season-turning whiff in the Buffalo game he's two years ago. I understand that, but like, it's all part of the story. I got to see that he's a better blocker right. this year. I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to compare him to Kenneth Dixon. He's not a guy that's that's so woeful he's going to get somebody killed, mm-hmm. but he's got to get better as a blocker. He's got to prove that, or else, you know, he's not going to be on the field as much as we want to have J.K. Dobbins be on the field. Um, they are missing game-changing talent. They have a lot of good, solid football players. They're missing game-changers, wreckers, guys that go out and win football games on their own. And I am for adding more of those players to this roster. The Rams had Cooper Cup on one side and Aaron Donald on the other side and said we could still try to use some more of that. I'm for having more game-changers. Pure, complete difference makers. No offense to all the fourth-round picks. I don't think you're finding that guy there. But you might find him by moving up, so I'd be doing that. Continue to give me your responses for Would You Rather Wednesday. It is brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where the spring seasonal menu is available. has so many wonderful things. The starter, of course, being the pork belly, flash-fried pork belly, with the Korean number two sauce. That's your opener. Can't wait. Also, the Crunch Burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com in order to get your order in. And again, somebody's winning a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill just for participating in Would You Rather Wednesday. When we come back in, we'll get tidbit, we'll get tubular to wind things down for a Friday edition. Of, or What am I doing? God. It's Wednesday. What the hell is going on? Your brain's just flooded with all the stuff you got to do. That's all. Ukrainian ping pong. It's a good night for me. <laughs> I might bet Ukrainian five ping five. Might bet Ukrainian ping pong more often. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, it's a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fanduel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, winding down for a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show has also been brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. That's where the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard and I will be coming up next Thursday night for the first round of the NFL Draft. We hope that you will come join us the best live betting night of the year. Bet every pick at one of their 61 self-service kiosks. Plus, we'll have great giveaways for you. It's going to be the spot to be for the NFL Draft. Come hang out with Rita and I in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. As we wind down, it's time for us to get a tidbit of the day. Tidbit of the day is brought to you by Pressbox's Betting Show. Speaking of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, yesterday we had a weekly, we do every Tuesday simply the bets, and then tomorrow it'll be the return of Weekend at Bookies. We hope that you will join us 11.40 a.m. tomorrow for Weekend at Bookies, and if you missed it yesterday, you can find that show Wherever you get video, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, PressBoxOnline.com slash video. It's all there. Do it every Tuesday, every other Thursday, special betting shows to help you try to win some money in partnership with the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. All right, so the surprise of the Orioles season has been the pitching. The team as a whole has pitched to a 2.81 ERA, good for fifth best in the majors. And while the attention has gone mostly to the bullpen and their 2.66 ERA, the rotation has quietly put together a nice little stretch to start the season, pitching to a 2.98 ERA as a unit. The issue there is that they only have they they have only thrown 45 and a third innings, just over four innings per start, a trend that will inevitably tax the bullpen. Since 2001, the first season since 92 without Mike Mussina, or actually 91 without Mike Mussina, five pitchers have tallied 200 innings pitched in a season for a total of eight times overall. Who are those five pitchers? Say that one more time. So five pitchers since 2001 yep. for the Orioles yep. have logged 200 inning seasons, and they've uh, it's amounted to eight times, eight occurrences. Since 2001. Mm-hmm. 
Rodrigo Lopez. He did it once in 2005. He threw 209 and a third innings. Chris Tillman. Chris Tillman did it twice. He did it in 2013 when he threw 206 in the third innings. In 2014 when he threw 207 in the third innings. Wei in Chen. No, you were close. He had like 192. Miguel Gonzalez. No. He never really made more than like 23, 24 starts in a year. Since 2001. Since 2001. I'll give you a hint. Uh, Nobody did it in that season, 2002 or 2003. Wow. Now I know that. I got that to work with. The funny thing is, like, you'll think about Bedard, then you think about the fact that Bedard only pitched five innings per start, Mm -hmm. but... It's not Bedard. He never worked. He never worked in the games at no, all. He, he never wanted he, to. He pulled himself. Correct. Yeah. He would just take himself right out of these games. Um, you want to say John Means, but he's dealt with injuries, so I don't think it's John yeah. Means. Uh, since two thousand, boy, my God. So since two thousand three, four, you're saying really mm-hmm. is what I'm I'm working with since two thousand four. Somehow it was Daniel Cabrera. Two hundred and four and a third innings in two thousand six. Sure. With his five and a half ERA right. that year, uh, it's I'm thinking it's somebody rant like it's um it's it's uh like Jason Hamill. No, he got hurt a lot too. It's God. I'm trying to remember what years certain guys were here. It's Kevin Millwood. No, he was so bad, bro. <laughs> Who yeah, the, you're yeah, telling no. me like these guys are going to be good. There's not these good guys, pitching these options. These guys were serviceable. You, the yeah, one, this guy did it three times. This guy, uh, Sidney Ponzone. Sidney Ponzone did it once in 2004 through 215 and two thirds innings. This uh, the last guy did it three times, three years in a row, and he was considered the staff ace. He was considered the staff ace. Mm-hmm. Three years in a row. There's a hint I could give you, but you would get it with the hint. Hang on a second. I mean, wait a second. He did it three years in a row. Mm-hmm. He's considered the staff ace. I'm actually struggling with this. He was traded for one of the guys you already mentioned, who's not on the list. You missed with him, but you mentioned the guy that he was traded for. I remember who I guessed. Traded for, oh, it's Jeremy Guthrie, right? It's Jeremy Guthrie. Guthrie, 200 innings in 2009, 209 in the third in 2010, and 208 in 2011. I don't know why I blanked on Jeremy. I like Jeremy. Jeremy's good These hoes ain't loyal. Well, these O's ain't loyal. Get it right. Get it right. No, I knew knew it. Get it right. These O's ain't royal is what it was. You get it right. That's what I said. You said loyal. No, I said these O's ain't royal. Well, then damn That's it, what I said. <laughs> That was the surety war. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police. Make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. Orioles, again, the game was moved to 6 o'clock. Uh, to my understanding, still on mass and two. Jordan Lyles and Dalton Jeffries, whatever that is. But it'll probably shut down the Orioles. Uh, if you happen to live in the Dallas or Seattle markets, good news. You can watch it on MLB Network as well. Uh, Mass and Diamondbacks Nationals at 7. MLB Network Braves Dodgers at 3. Giants Mets at 7. Rangers Mariners at 10. 
Stevenson Lacrosse has Lebanon Valley tonight at 7. Go MustangSports.tv. TNT NBA playoffs. Again, weird bit. All Eastern Conference games tonight. TNT Nets-Celtics game 2 at 7. Bulls-Bucks game 2 at 9.30. NBA TV Sixers-Raptors game 3 at 8 from Toronto. NBC Sports Washington Capitals Golden Knights at 10. NHL Network Stars-Oilers at 8.30. The USA Network for Chelsea and Arsenal this afternoon at 2.45. TBS for AEW Dynamite at 8. Non-sports. Uh, Nicholas Cage has been welcomed back on the Jimmy Kimmel Live. Uh, that's high praise. Um, was he was he banned? I don't know. He's just has he been on any talk shows recently with the oh. awful uh, stuff that he's been doing? What awful stuff has he been doing? Uh, the, the awful movies. Oh, the awful he's movies been, he's been yeah. making. I don't know. He's still Nicholas Cage at the end of the day. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he still was able to go and do late night shows. What, what, what's the name of that movie that's coming yeah, out? Yeah, un- massive weight of unbearable or unbearable weight of massive talent or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it's getting rave reviews. Yeah, I, I think it'd be cool to have Nicholas Cage become your best friend. That's pretty cool. I like the I like the premise. Everything about it works for me. Yeah, everything about it. Um, Marlon Wayans. I don't know what the hell he's up to, but he's going to be on the Tonight Show starring uh, featuring Jimmy Fallon. Hey, John, come here. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Um, Moon Knight, episode four on Disney+. Plus. Un- unbearable weight of massive talent is yeah. what it's called. And then uh, and stuff it's got, and things. It's got oh, nine- oh, oh. On the CW, Freddie Mercury, the final act at 8 o'clock. Oh, okay. 93%, by the way, on Rotten Tomatoes for this uh, this film. Sit sit down for a second. The commercial said 100%. Sit down for a second. No well, they lied. They, they lied then. Lie. They did. They lied. I've been uh, to do real work, so I have no idea. It's Would You Rather Wednesday. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna alter this question for you. You can make fifty percent more next year, all right? Like then you made this, then you were set to make. You're gonna make fifty percent more if you go once a week with Stan the Fan Charles to go testicle tanning. <laughs> you and he. I have a couple clarifying questions. Yes, uh huh. This is important. I'm sure. Do we have to? You're test- gonna sit. You're gonna sit next to each other. I- is there a divider of some sort? Uh, I'm not really sure. I haven't been. That's- I don't know. You're kind of you're gonna have to make your there decision, be, not knowing. Well, I'm concerned about COVID. Ah, right. That's probably what it is that you're nervous about. It's the COVID situation. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. Stan's very nervous. Well, about you're that. gonna have to make that decision without knowing the answer to that question. Fifty percent. Fifty percent more, but you got to go once a week. You and Stan. Yeah. Go yeah, testicle tanning together. All right. Very good. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> How's that any different from going to the sauna at the gym? It's a fair question. It's a reasonable question. But you do you do that once a week? No, but for a fifty percent increase, well, you, can I, mean, I get a fifty percent? You'd sit in the sauna can, together. Can I get a fifty percent increase on what I earned pre-COVID? Uh, no, fifty percent on this oh year. Fifty percent on this year. Yeah, and I think yeah. in the sauna you're wearing a towel. I think the tan that, your testicles—they got to be yeah, you're out gonna, there. Yeah, you're, it's going to be hard to tan through the that towel. That changes no things a lot. Yeah, but not everybody wears the towel. There are quite a few people yeah. that yeah, are I won't go in there. There's a dude very comfortable with. I switched gyms back because of how many guys didn't wear towels at the gym that I, I will say my fall. new gym are we talking about them yet or is that nobody you can mention them what the heck my new gym I mean. is a one life fitness up in Hunt Valley and the people there are not as comfortable as my previous establishment Good. was my last establishment all, all the all the racquetball ve- players very comfortable they were very comfortable with just hanging out have in fact starting they a conversation a with conversation. you hundred percent I loved I want to I, I will forever Meadow Mill was great gym just the most wonderful place and almost so, it like the the atmosphere there, family like, like exactly made it so creepy family. People were very comfortable just walking around the locker room chatting. So there was one guy naked. there that really made me so uncomfortable because what he would do was he'd oh, get he'd in put the his, sauna. Hold on, oh. he'd get in the sauna, then he'd shower, 
Then he walked to the middle of the locker room, and they had one of those giant yeah. fans. And he'd crank it up to full blast and air dry himself, standing right in the middle of the locker room without a stitch of clothing on. And it was one of the most, it was disturbing on a number of levels. Visually, it was disturbing. Psychologically, it was right, upsetting. Correct. <laughs> but then I also had a germaphobic thing about it. Oh, he was yeah. essentially releasing every skin flake okay. every, and blowing it okay. across the locker room. But in fairness, you're at a gym, man. <laughs> like no, He's launching it. There's a different launching. I guess I understand what you're saying. I guess I do. I think this thing was like a wind tunnel. This wasn't a gentle breeze. I re- I remember the fan. I yeah. promise you, I remember the fan. I think you're being a bit over dramatic about the launching of. I he was a hairy guy. I Ugh. didn't like it. Oh, I do think I remember who you're like talking about. The guy about. from a long cave, there, Polly. When they're playing yeah. basketball, no, yeah, basketball maybe, you get right uh, up maybe there. that. There is a there was a but this was a hairy. I just, there was a gentleman who was comfortable, literally sitting. There was a TV in the locker room, and oh, this yeah. gentleman would sit around, would lounge and watch tennis. Naked, naked, naked on a chair. There was one chair in the locker room. He would sit down completely no naked towel. on the chair no and just towel. watch the television in the corner. The- there was all there was an and a, there was another gentleman who was absolutely the guy that would go up to the like he would walk up to you naked to start the conversation or like you know would start a conversation with you while he was naked. He wouldn't have to walk up to you because it's close quarters. And then all of a sudden you turn around and he would one thousand percent have his other leg up on the bench. Oh, yeah. So we had to do the bit where he has one leg on the floor and one leg yeah. on the bench, and it's yeah. just all it was it's a just a pre- it's a little captain in him. It's yeah, exactly. Right. It's very was, much like. Well, he was that. an older gentleman too, so they're all older gentlemen. So they the, swing left. Nah, the, 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 the the gym that I was that I was we at briefly no, before I went of. back to the, to where I am now. Uh, there was one guy who the only time I saw him wearing clothes would be when he would walk into the gym, like when he would walk in yeah. from the outside. And I would have an hour and a half, two hour workout, and go. He'd be naked when I left the locker room to work. Oh, there's plenty. And I'd plenty go of back those. into the locker room just, two hours later, and he's still there naked. It's just where they hang. That's where they hang for the day in he's order to try never to never wearing it's, clothes. It's what they do. Have you figured out draft night yet? Well, I know Reed and I are going to be at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And uh, still, uh, uh, got some working on some issues there. Okay, working on some issues. Okay, can't tell you if there's, but I know Reed and I will be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live so Casino we, and Hotel. Yes, That's what yes, I know for sure, and that's and where everybody else should be. We will be giving away. Oh, we will be giving away. Oh. four seats. Oh, to the FanDuel Sportsbook with food and beverage and tip and all that included. Oh. Yeah. Well, we should probably do that soon. We should do. I just found out moments. We're ago. doing that for the draft. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm calling Jen right after this. Oh man. We're going to arrange. So you're saying that there will be four people, one winner, one winner, for four, for, for a group of four to come hang out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at the table next Thursday night. Food and drink. Food and drink covered for the for the first round of the NFL draft. But like maybe just like a drink, just one drink, as 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 many as they can reasonably and safely consume. Including soft drinks and well, I mean, if they what, want an Uber, they can yeah, do whatever they want. If they don't, somebody a, has to be that reasonable. That seems like a that seems like a wonderful prize. It's, it's it seems like several a, hundred dollars. Right. I would think most yeah. most most we'll establishments like that. We should, uh, and you're, their money you're off going flicker. to give them each a few bucks to gamble with. What? <laughs> what? What? What are we doing? We're doing a little thing where it's like spend Glenn's money. What? 
What the hell? Like Terry yeah. Bradshaw. Wait a second. It is. Wait a second. The number's yeah. a little low. You got to spend a million dollars. Uh, it's, it's, they got a better chance of winning than Glenn than I do. I bet, <laughs> except unless, if I, unless I bet uh, Ukrainian ping pong. I'm killing it in Ukrainian ping pong. I had a rough night last Wait a minute. night. I had a rough night. I bet on ping pong like uh, a year ago on that site that yeah. shouldn't go name. Yeah, we, oh, we don't use that site. Yeah. We, we, we're FanDuel guys now. That's what we are. Um, FanDuel Sportsbook guys. Yeah. But I was betting last night on Ukrainian ping pong because I lost a couple. I lost a Suns-related bet because Devin Booker got hurt. That was particularly yeah, – yeah. it stung, and I wanted my money back. And there's only so many things you can bet on at that point of the night. And so I bet on the last couple of baseball games of the evening. I bet on a AAA baseball game to end the evening. And then the last thing that was going on before I went to bed was Ukrainian ping pong. And so yeah. I bet on five Ukrainian ping pong matches, five for five, baby. <laughs> Lost Big them night. All? No, I went. I won. Oh, all. I thought you were being. No, but I was doing the wacky bit where I was betting. Here, get it? Guessing. No, no, I was. Uh, whoever won the first set, I just bet on them. Oh, okay. And then I was getting terrible odds, but I was, I was yeah. peeling them all off. Yeah, it was five straight it. wins in order to take. Needed some money back, man. I needed to get it back. All right. Don't worry, it's not a day. So you'll have details for me about that. Uh, within the hour. All right. Looking forward to that. Okay. Somebody's. That's a great prize. It is a great prize. Enjoy your testicle tanning. Bye. Oh, you said no. You're not gonna. You're gonna pass, uh, or you're. No, I'll go ahead and do All that. Right, I'll I go can... ahead. I'll get it scheduled. Okay, I'll you. go ahead and make that happen. Bye. For Enjoy your John Colson, most worshipful grandmaster. All right, uh, did you get through non-sports? You did. You yeah, finished all yeah. non-sports. Very good. Thanks today to Thomas Booker from uh, Stanford, Gilman alum, NFL draft prospect. Thanks also to Gunnar Henderson as well as to Drew. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow on the program, I have no idea. Do we have anything? I don't even know if we have anything booked for tomorrow. We should probably work on that. Not just yet. Oh Jesus! Stuff and things Christ. tomorrow. We gotta gotta step our game up a little bit. Damn! All right, we'll have stuff. I hope. I hope we will. I think maybe Bucky Brooks is joining us. I don't even know if that's true. God, we gotta we gotta figure some things out. What the hell's going on around here? Thanks everybody, at Press Box, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police. Great Eights memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third on Twitter. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Birds, sure. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.